Reveille, Reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. It is Monday, the 28th of September, 2020. And it is time, ladies and gentlemen, donks and donkettes, for Morning Combat. Hi, everyone. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm from CBS Sports. I am one half of your hosting duo, the gentleman on that side of the screen. He is also from CBS Sports. He is my partner in crime. The conspiracy to my theory, it's Brian Campbell. Brian, we got seven days, basically, of each other after seven months away. You complete me, Brian. Yeah, wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, you had me at hello. Wow, all right. Uh, uh, we, we don't hate each other after that much time. And no, once again, we were not sharing the same hotel room, although there's nothing wrong with that. But uh, we gave it to the people in every possible way and form. You know what I'm talking about, Luke. And uh, hopefully people checked us out on OnlyFans as well. We launched that after Room Service Diaries, the camera went off. But uh, we're back with a bang, and this is a big week, right? We're coming off two big pay-per-views, one in which we played a big role, and now this week we are launching, Luke, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, live in your face hole, in your ear hole, however you want to consume it, MK all day, and also don't forget Tuesdays and Thursdays, a lot of bonus stuff coming at you. Uh, This is the takeover. It's happening, Luke, okay? All right? All right? This is it, okay? Yeah. So as BC indicated, he's uh, totally right. This is the week where we now expand from one. We did two shows last week, but now we're going to do three official shows this week. 11 a.m. in the East today, 11 a.m. in the East on Wednesday, and 11 a.m. in the East on Friday. And we're going to give you everything inside the world of combat sports. So as we've been saying for a long time, thumbs up on the video, subscribe on the channel. We noticed that you guys... Really appreciated the weekend content. Well, get ready. There's a lot more of that coming your way. We're going to blow this channel up. I'm very, very excited about that. Um, Luke, how can they get that that sweatshirt you're wearing? How can people wear that? Just one second. I want to do this, BC, because I know you agree with me in all seriousness. We got a lot of people. I know I did, and I'm sure you did as well. Sending us a lot of well wishes after the weekend and during the weekend itself, saying you guys have come a long way, MK has come a long way. So I think it would be fair and appropriate, BC, to start the show to say, you know what, thanks to these people out there who made this happen, we'll we'll sell you some merch in a second. But first, really, everyone who sent a note or didn't, if you've supported this effort at all, if you watched the Charlo doubleheader, even if you just watched the YouTube stream, even if you just thought in your mind, I love MK, we thank you back. Yeah, thank you, India. Thank you, Providence. Sorry, India, you're not getting our merch yet, but we're working on that, all right? You hear us, Showtime, guys? Let's get our international folks outfitted. Luke, tell them where they can't buy it. <laughs> you can go to store.show.com, and if you're in the, you know, the five neighborhoods they mail to, uh, you can get this great gear. You can get a sweatshirt like this. You can get a hoodie. You can get a crew neck shirt. You can get uh, hats, beanies, tumblers, mugs, the whole nine yards. So... Um, more of that is coming and including more geographic locations, but Hey, like everything with this show, baby steps. Okay. All right. Um, as always, as we indicated before, thumbs up on the video, subscribe. If you would like to try Showtime, you certainly may. You go to showtime.com right now. You get a 30 day free trial, right? You like it? You it's, keep wor- it. If it's not, worth you can it go just sand. for the morning combat strike force classics. There's a whole bunch of them. It's got its own folder, more Ronaldo, Scott Coker, Luke, BC, Please, give it, give it 30 days to change your life. We'll see what happens, all right? Now, BC, yesterday I just put out a short 20-minute video going over just the two title fights from UFC 253. There's a lot more we have to get to. Because I was a heard... whiny bitch, Luke. That's why you did that. 
A little bit, a little bit, but it's okay because now you're ready to rock. You're back in the saddle again. So without further ado, BC, let's get this party started. Time for the first topic, and we go, in fact, to UFC 253. All right, Israel Adesanya defends his UFC middleweight title against Paulo Costa and does it in a way that can only be described as utterly, unequivocally dominant. The question for you, Brian, and I got to it a little bit yesterday. I have a few additional thoughts, but we'll start here. How big of a statement was this for Israel Adesanya? Massive. And let me tell you why. To paraphrase the great Larry Merchant talking about Manny Pacquiao, we knew Adesanya was great. He's better than we thought he was. And I sincerely mean that because here's the deal. Luke, there are different kinds of intimidations in combat sports. And we certainly we seem to only know it through the one lens of like a Mike Tyson or a prime Ronda Rousey where you're so intimidated by their overwhelming power or ability to finish you so quickly that you go out of your own game plan and stop trying to be yourself, and then you still succumb to the, to the violence coming at you. I thought Adesanya won this entirely through intimidation, but it wasn't for a massive knockout or a takedown in an arm bar instantaneously. It was, I thought, Paulo Costa... You know, maybe Adesanya was in his head. Maybe he watched video of Robert Whitaker getting taken care of in as efficient and violent nature that Adesanya did because Paulo Costa wasn't himself in this fight. And I think that's his fault. I think he was in his own head. And the moment he decided, if I try to be who I am, which is rush this man, he's going to take care of me. That was when he lost the fight. And I don't know if Costa was trying to save his energy to explode late in the fight. I'm not really sure what his strategy was. And I think across the board, that seems to be the sentiment. But either way, Adesanya was the alpha in this matchup from the moment that, you know, they said go in that cage. And he picked him apart and dominated him. And Luke, we got to start having some real conversations. And I don't mean the knee jerk. He's looking like the one of the greatest of all time, which he is, by the way. But I don't mean that one. I mean the... How far is he away from entering the pound-for-pound king conversation right Mm. now? Mm. I think the dominant Habib Nurmagomedov has that right now on lockdown, and I think the formerly dominant John Jones is right there still until we see him lose, really. I think Izzy's crashing this party now, Luke. Tell me if I'm wrong. And I know know you drink the city kickboxing juice, so you're probably going to say I'm right. But seriously, I think I'm right. You are probably right. It's actually something I've not thought too much about. So the, the guys in the top four, depending how you have one and two, you're right, Khabib or Jones, and there's a debate to be had there. The rankings as they stand now, they've got Stipe at three and Izzy at four. Boy, that's a great question. I mean, here's the deal. We were debating this last week, which was what would a win over Costa do in terms of making Adesanya in the rankings for best middleweight champion of all time? Now, Anderson Silva has that by a country mile. If Adesanya wants that title, well, that's not even in the conversation at this moment. But for the rest of them, it kind of is because Rich Franklin had wins over Evan Tanner and Nate Quarry. Nate Quarry only had wins from the Ultimate Fighter, Lodenson Cage, Shoney Carter, that type. So to me, those don't really stand the test of time. Um, and then you have cases like Evan Tanner. I think that's just way too old. But Merle Bustamante, same thing. Luke Rockhold, not enough. Michael Bisping, not enough. The only one that's Nate even Quarry, in the orbit... though, Luke, to be, to be fair, Nate Quarry did have a big win when he joined you on that Spike TV MMA show. Hopefully he didn't get involved in Craig Carton's Ponzi scheme. That's all I have to say for that. Uh, he I'm certainly did not. He's a very upstanding guy. and He it was a great combat sports fighter, but uh, I just don't think that was the appropriate time for him to get a title shot, and I think he would tell you the same, actually. But the point being is the only other real choice there is Weidman, and Weidman's hard to parse because he's got the three defenses, two of them, well, well and then the two wins, I should say, over Silva. And to some people, the wins over Silva are evidence of achievement. 
achievement, and then to some, they're just sort of accidents, and there's, there's never really going to be any settling of that debate. So I can accept a world where Weidman is that, but to me, 20 fights in, less than three years, four fights for a title, if you count the Kelvin Gastelum one, which you have to, undefeated, this is, I won't say an unprecedented run given what Anderson Silva has done, but if anyone looks like the heir to the throne of Anderson Silva, quite literally and then figuratively, it is Israel Adesanya, man. Look at what he is doing. Yes, the, the Romero win was not great. Not all of them can be. How many duds along the way did Anderson Silva have? Demi and Maya, and then the Cote fight ended up weirdly, but that fight was not going all that great. And Talos on and on, Talos Laites. Well, here's my thing. This fight was not merely a rebound from that. You're talking about, well, what was Costa's game plan? Dude, Costa's game plan was what Israel let it be. Israel froze him with those feints. He forced him to think. You're one, everyone's like, why didn't he throw? Because Israel wouldn't let him. That's why. Dude, when you have that kind of control this deep into your run over a presumed contender who was very deserving, at least of the opportunity, and you did something like that, where it wasn't even a contest. I'm sorry, man. That's your second best middleweight champion ever. And I do think his case is better than Weidman's, even if I recognize there's a debate. So for pound for pound, which was your original question, does he leap Stipe? I mean, Stipe is the greatest heavyweight in UFC history of all time. I don't know if we're there. But, man, you want to talk about if he's not already top three, knocking on the door at a bare minimum, we are looking at something that this is... This is reminiscent of Sil- – I don't want to call him Silva 2.0, but in many ways he is. I think he's more technically sophisticated. I think he's doing things to this division and frustrating it in ways that Silva did. Where, BC, I'm sure you're seeing this. Things like, oh, all he needs is someone who can grapple really good, well and will stick it to him and he'll lose. Or somebody who's got X ability or Y ability. That's the same thing they did with Anderson Silva until he shut every mouth along the way. And they yeah, just recognize, you know what? He's too remember good. Remember he dismantled Dan Henderson? Remember they thought that was going to be the one? I mean, you know, go on and on down the line. Uh, absolutely brilliant. And, and, and I think that you combine with how Dana bragged about the digital, uh, you know, commercial success of this card. And I don't know if we're going to get the actual pay-per-view numbers, but it seemed like this card mattered a whole hell of a lot. Uh, he's stepping into the spot now a, a, as one of their biggest stars. I mean, obviously, Connor is still the guy, although we're going to talk about uh, where he where he's going right now. But uh, Izzy's also becoming that guy from a commercial standpoint to a large degree. Uh, if you're still a hater and you're still like, stop even sniffing things like he could become the greatest of all time, just look at what he's building that Luke just said. And just look at even more the swagger. And the ability to back it up. There's a special it factor with Izzy. And uh, it, it's fun being on this ride right now. And, yeah, maybe, maybe there is a wrestler who can give him some damage. But I want to see that wrestler beat him. I want to see yeah, that I mean, submission expert beat him. I want to see that brawler beat him. It's just not happening right now, Luke, because he is so extra sophisticated within the striking game that I don't know if it's going to matter until he gets a little bit older. Hey, remember after the Anderson Silva fight, you told me you weren't so sure, and I was like, you're crazy, and now you're realizing how right I was? Can no, you, no, can you you're, you're, you're going to mix that. I want to I make that point cream and clear. I'm sorry, because uh, you, you were taking your love for, for uh, Adi back then and rubbing it on yourself like it was the cream and clear there, Gary Sheffield. What I was saying at that point was Anderson Silva, at however old he was, poured out the jug that night and did succeed in disarming and somewhat humanizing Adesanya. And I know we can go, well, maybe he was respecting him. No, Adesanya didn't want to risk having this old champion, you know, ruin what he was building. And he played it a little bit safe. He did. 
He was sophisticated and great, but he played it safe. And, he, and it allowed it allowed Anderson to save face and look really good in defeat that night. But, you know, like you said, not every fight's going to be a banger or a clean knockout. That was a tough Anderson Silva that night. I'm not going to hear anything else from, from anyone else. But I know what The Rock's cooking on Adesanya from the beginning. That, okay? well, that was Adesanya, Although you've think, got but... the city kickboxing tattoo across your chest. I have seen you shirtless. Uh, yeah. I know you're day one-ish on these guys. But... Uh, he, you know, come on. I could see. I could, I mean, I could hear Jimmy, you know, bro. All in right? all seriousness, I, I, you know, and, and it's hard to compare somebody who's got such a diametrically opposed style like a Khabib, but I'm asking a question where I think it's, it's, he is certainly in the conversation. Who is a smarter fighter? The reason why the Romero fight was bad, was in, there was a lot of factors, but one is Adesanya is not an idiot about who is in front of him. He pays deference to their skills. Same with Anderson Silva. What you saw on Saturday, and the reason why there was such a, a wide gap, is that for all of the physical prowess that uh, Bohoshina possesses, and by the way, he's going to get some wins again. He's going to stack some Ws. He's by no means done. But the reason why there was such a gap is because in terms of the sophistication, the cerebral approach to the game, thinking through the problems, understanding tactics, understanding strategy, understanding the layers of complexity. Dude, this was big bank, take little paint. Uh, excuse me, 84s and candy paint. There was no comparison between the two. It was master and teacher, uh, excuse me, master and student. I'm watching all of these analogies. I'm just trying to point out, if you see Sil uh, um, uh, Adesanya in these scenarios where they're not quite exciting, he's holding back a little bit, it tells you he recognizes there's a threat in front of him. And he does that a little bit in this fight to start, but once he got going, I mean, it was just... It was over. So what this tells you is you're looking at a guy who he can be exciting when he can make that skill differential a function of intelligence. And more to the point, when there is one, holy smokes, is he deadly. Whoa. Uh, yeah. And I'm looking, and I'm, by the way, last thing on this, BC, I'm looking at the rankings. Let me go through this here very quickly. Now, no one's, uh, not all these guys are in line, but here's who's left who he hasn't fought. And there's rematches in order, I get. But for, in terms of who he hasn't fought. Cannoneer, Hermanson, Till, uh, let's see, Weidman, Hall, Shabazian, Akhmadinov, Akhmadov, excuse me, Vittori, I beat Vittori, and then Heinisch. He's see Vittori Any, anyone on that list stand out to you as an uh, obvious threat? Because they don't to me. Not yet, because, you know, they haven't had the run or the big-time wins that can enter them there. But obviously, uh, you know, anyone on that list can rip off two in a row and separate himself from the rest of that pack. And for a night, we could feel like they're a legitimate test. But I do not believe the respect we had for Borashinia coming in and in the thought process of, I mean, you said it to me before that fight started. You're like, I don't know, man. I'm feeling Costa might do something here. He might surprise us. That's because of bit. what he had built. Somebody else could get there. Cannon there's going to be a tough out, but no, you're not going to be able to favor anybody now until he decides to move up and wait, and who knows if he will. I mean, he seems to be very bold in that regard. Oh, I just wanted to make one separation here. You mentioned, you know, he could be right there with Stipe in the pound for pound. I know people have different understandings of what pound for pound means to them. And I get in a lot of fights with the boxing journalists on this because I think a lot of people get it wrong. What you have accomplished gets you into the discussion, but I think ultimately it's the eye test that separates it. So what that means is why I would put Adesanya ahead of Stipe right now. Not only does he have a great resume, Adesanya, that he's already built, but the whole idea of they'll never actually fight unless one moves up and does something crazy. So you have to put them in the same mythical weight class in your mind they bring with them the same advantages against their own weight class that they have. So if you're putting Izzy in this mythical thing against Stipe, yes, Stipe's going to have the power, he's going to have the chin, he's going to have all that toughness, but I think Adesanya picks him apart style for style. So when it's that close and some, you have to separate it, I think that's why we have this pound-for-pound pound debate. 
I think that's a fine point. And then also just to clarify, when I bring up these names, I'm not saying that none of those guys can or will win. To BC's point, it's about favoritism. I'm just sort of acknowledging, look, you know this as well as I do. You can be great, but if you show up and you have a bad night, you're going to get knocked out. If you show up and you're not feeling great and they're on, there's all kinds of reasons where you, why you can lose that actually have nothing to do with skills per se. So this is not like, oh, Adesanya is never going to lose. I'm just pointing out he is poised at the moment to continue this run of domination, or he's certainly winning. And it seems like it might go for a while until something happens, a new contender emerges, blah, blah, blah. But he is sitting Matt in a very Sarah advantageous up, position. You know? That's why Matt uh, Sarah's more- in the Hall of Fame, because it can happen anytime. And did you see him right. uh, disarm Joshua Fabia on that Dana White Jesus. looking for a fight? That was high theater right there. So shout out to that. Uh, one more question about Adesanya I want to get to here in this discussion. I know we'll have some more about it later. But for just this moment, BC, what do you make about his celebration, humping Paulo Costa, which you try to do to me every time I see you? And then also, you know, this sort of social media tour he's been on, it's been totally unapologetic about how much he's enjoying the moment. Bad look, good look, don't care. Where are you? Uh, I think I think it's part of uh, part of the the charm, and I don't mean it's charming. I just mean part of the character that he's putting out in the. Uh, I mean, it, yeah, it, a lot of things he says is on the line or over it, and I think it's that edge where you know if we're gonna pro wrestling this, he's a he's a babyface. But he's got villainish trends. You know, there's a little Stone Cold Steve Austin in there. So I like it. I'm not against it. Sometimes, though, it depends on who you are, whether people are going to love it or hate it. I got no issue with it. I like when people who are badasses act like badasses and are largely remorseful for that. I think we all have that fantasy within ourselves, Luke, that we can walk around in whatever, whatever sphere of influence we have and just take no cares, take no shit. In fact, you know, Luke, we could say the same thing about your broadcasting career. You know, you rub a lot of people the wrong way. You know what I'm saying? And uh, you don't seem to care about it at all. So, uh, you know, good for you. You Most of the people who take issue with anything I have to say are, uh, you know, they don't don't make especially good arguments about what bothers them about it. Now, let me just say this. I'm with you a little bit. Like, do I prefer this that he is doing? I don't know that I prefer it. But uh, I posted a video after... Adesanya's win over Whitaker, where I had done a dissected in the old uh, bomb shelter there, BC. And I noted that along the way from not so much the Wilkinson fight, but certainly from the Vittori and then Tavares and then Gastelum and Silva and then Whitaker. And even for this fight, people messaging like, oh, Costa's going to knock this bum the fuck out, blah, 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 blah. It's like at every turn, this guy is doing the most amazing things. And there is this perpetual need to undermine it from a pretty, I would say minority, but vocal minority of folks, it's got to be annoying for him. If he goes out and does what he, I mean, if this was a close fight and he skirted by, I'd be like, all right, it's a little much. Yo, he went out there and just, you ever seen that video of Joel Embiid showing up on some basketball court in Philly playing some randos and he throws the basketball in the guy's face, catches the rebound and then dunks it? That's what he did on Saturday. So it's disrespectful, but it's like, yeah, but it's Joel Embiid playing some regulars. You know what I mean? You think Boroshina still slayed afterwards? Probably. I mean, you look like that, and you <laughs> yeah, can't get yeah, laid twenty four seven. You got a problem, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, all right. So that takes us now to our second fight, which we didn't. I mean, I gotta say, you were really kind of high on this guy, and you deserve some credit for it, BC. Jan I didn't have the Blaho? balls to pick the upset, though, Luke. I didn't have the balls to go for yeah, it. Yeah, all right. Sometimes we can't pull the trigger, but you know what? Your confidence was well-placed. Let's talk about now the second of the two title fights in your co-main event here, point two. Jan Blahovich, wow, I am so impressed. You know, we, we're talking about how Adesanya made it look easy as Jay puts up the wrong graphics all over the screen. Uh, 
You know what? No, Jay, we he want that look- one back on, Jay. The one with the fighter where Luke leans. Yeah, we want yeah. that one. Oh, hold, hold on a second, BC. Let me get this out. I'll, I'll toss it to you again. Jan Blachowicz not only won BC, and again, we, we, we watch combat sports so much. When upsets happen, we're surprised for a little bit, but then you rationalize and you're like, okay, I mean, you know, everyone's got a puncher's chance and blah, blah, blah. Dude, this had nothing to do with it. He also dominated Dominic Reyes. This was not a close fight at all. Should we be surprised, not that Jan Blachowicz won BC, but that he won so cleanly? Yeah, we should because, you know, he is... Uh, wow. All right. There we go. There it is. There's Dom. Because uh, he's 37 years old, Luke, and there had been portions of his career where he looked like a, not a pretender, but somewhere between pretender and contender, right? He looked right. like a sort of average, uh, you know, gatekeeper, journeyman, whatever. Full credit to him for the improvement. I mean, you got to love this. He's so confident, yet never cocky or outwardly confident. It's almost like a humble confidence, which is where you even look at that celebration, Luke. It was almost like oh my God, this actually happened. Like, it was almost like Holly Holm when she knocked out Ronda and she didn't even know what to do with her hands. And she's just like, oh my God, it was like, oh my God, like my dreams came true. Um, So we shouldn't necessarily have seen it coming. And I think the odds makers got this right. Here was my issue with Dom though. He didn't screw up in this fight. This wasn't where like, oh man, he came in too cocky. He was believing his own hype and, and Blahowitz made him pay. He straight up lost. Jan was the better fighter on this night. But I do wonder, which is something I did talk about leading up, if there was any kind of, like, dump in motivation, give him the circumstances. When you're going up against John Jones, which, with, which Dom Reyes did with such impeccable confidence in, in execution of his skill set, you're thinking, this is the fight of my life. You're thinking, I make one mistake and I'm getting KO'd. You're thinking, I've got to pour out the whole jug. This is my moment. Mom Spaghetti, this is everything right now. And he fought the fight of his life. And we hailed him. We said he deserves the rematch. We said, if John Jones moves up, you should just give the title to Dom Reyes. And then when they schedule this fight and you look at the odds and it's like three to one and you're like, you know, okay, Dom should win this. And then we'll figure out if, you know, if uh, Maheta can come out of his fight and maybe we can start a rivalry there. I wonder if there was some natural element of that to Dom. I'm not saying he didn't train. I'm not saying he didn't focus. I'm not saying he didn't believe Jan could beat him. But whatever it was, he got steamrolled. And we have to give Blahowitz that credit. We talked about his patience coming in, Luke. This was a perfectly patient performance. He landed big shots. He never overextended. He never went for broke. He just kept at his game plan. And yes, for a 37-year-old, he's got pretty sneaky counter shots. That Normally, it's that right uppercut left hook package. He kind of mixed in different kind of straight punches and awkward angle punches. Good God, he deserves it. He's a tough ass out. And this was one of those rare times where you're like, like maybe Bisping beating Rockhold, where you're like, or GSP beating Bisping, where you're like, holy shit, he did it. I never expected this. I wouldn't have guessed he did it. It was a good moment because you got to love this guy. Have you ever interviewed him, Luke? He is so genuine and pure. Mm-hmm. He's literally that guy next door, right, who mows his lawn with his shirt off and drinks canned beer the whole time. He's that dude. Mm-hmm. I have nothing but love for him. There's a couple of reasons why I think people like him. You noted that he was something at, at first between pretender and contender. I went over this yesterday in the video I posted on the uh, Morning Combat channel, BC. Do you realize he only won two of his first six UFC fights? He'd win one, then lose two. Then win one, then lose two. 
And so you were like, okay, I mean, he's good enough to beat the dudes on the regional scenes in Europe, and that's not nothing. And he seems like a nice guy, but how much more is he than that? And then he just started stacking wins. Now, he had that another stumble against Tiago Santos, but okay, he took him three rounds, and hey, Tiago Santos is a tough out for anybody else. And he just continued to get better. I think people like it when you have this kind of perseverance about you, 37 years old, doing what he did. Like, he just always finds a way to get better. I think people like that you know, that late bloomer story. The other part about him, and we'll talk about the Charlo brothers because while that's boxing, they're very much the opposite of this. It always feels like to me that Jan Blahovich is not chasing outside validation. Yes, validation of his fiance and his coaches. Maybe even there's this is not true in Poland. But in the wider MMA community, it just seems like he's totally secure in who he is and why he's on this journey. And he's not tracing, uh, excuse me, chasing the adoration of large crowds or big social media followings or you know applause from whoever is some kind of influencer in this world. He just seems like he's on a martial arts journey for himself. I think people really respond to that. You know, I'm not saying that it's one is one way is right or the other, but it's very much the opposite of what Charlos have been doing, Adesanya to a degree as well. And for him, it just seems to work. I think the last thing I'd say. In addition to that, about why all of this, excuse me, is working for Jan, is that um, it was, it was just, it's it's not so much just the late blooming thing, although that's a pretty key part of it. But I don't know. There's another factor there that's sort of it, it's semi-related, and he is just a guy out there who he brings you joy to watch, right? Don't you feel like? How many times do you see somebody good or bad? You don't have a connection. You don't, it doesn't change your view of the sport. I mean, ultimately, like, like why we watch sports is how the teams we like make us feel. Like, someone was asking me, I was talking about it with a production crew who, behind the show, and they were asking me how I feel about the Washington football team this season. Listen, man, I can never root for another team, but they don't make me feel very good. I don't get a lot of, I don't get enjoyment out of it anymore. I don't know Jan Blahovich. But it feels like you can watch the journey he's been on, and it makes you feel better about you watching the sport. That's a very rare thing (laughs) in this messed up game full of bad actors, even when they're really good fighters. He's he's a delight, dude, and I'm honestly thrilled for his success. And I am totally wrong, and I missed the boat on it, and Mia Culpa, I I won't make that mistake twice. Well, you should have missed the boat, Luke, to be honest. You you mentioned he had that win-one-lose-two thing going. He also... Looked really bad against Jacare. Did just enough to win in a fight that was supposed to be his showcase. Let me call out John Jones after. It was just sort of an everyman win, but that's the thing. He's Polish Forrest Griffin, to your point, right? It's hard not to watch him and feel like Mm. that could be me in there if I only had a legitimate backbone and no cares in the world. But, uh, yeah, man. I mean, it it really felt that good all along. And he made Dom Reyes, a great fighter's nose, look like mine, Luke. So that's not a bad (laughs) deal for him either. Dom Reyes. Yeah, I mean, I, it's so funny, you know. It's like you watch a guy like this. You mentioned the pretender-contender thing. That's a good way to put it. He, it we talked about uh, Jason Rosario from the Charlo fight, a guy that's not supposed to be there. Dude, he wasn't supposed to be here either, you know. If you had just watched him in 2015, 2016, you'd be like, all right, he's pretty good. But he didn't really start winning until 2017 in any kind of consistent bout-over-bout bout way. This was not – I mean, if you had asked me two years ago, who's the next light heavyweight champ – there's a lot of names I would have come up with. Sure as fuck wouldn't have been Jan Blahovich. He was not on that kind of a trajectory or that radar. And you know what? Here he is, dude. What a great story in MMA. Like, I, I just, I feel so good for a guy. 
by the way, never a promoter's favorite, never handed an easy fight, never given the fast track, never given the bonus. That way he got bonuses by virtue of his performances, but I mean, he was never the guy who was targeted for stardom. Just a guy who kind of slowly but surely took it and not for the crowd, although he is a quite nice gentleman, but because I think he just likes martial arts. I think he likes the journey. There's something so honest and pure about it. Yeah, final point on that, Luke. I was still calling him Jan Blockowitz up until like a year ago. So that shows you that he was never so fully true. in our in our crosshairs, all right? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So true. All right, takes us to point three. BC and I were there at the Mohegan Sun Arena in Uncasville, Connecticut. The Charlo brothers putting on quite a show, albeit in different ways. Part of two cards, a doubleheader. We'll go to the first one. Sergey Derevyanchenko losing via unanimous decision to Jermall Charlo, the bigger one, at 160 pounds. Interestingly, uh, the folks there in charge of the career for Derevyanchenko saying he's going to drop to 154. I wonder if he might fight another Charlo brother. But the question I have is, and I'll start here if I may, BC, what Jamal Charlo proved. Now, we know what he can get. Maybe a Eubanks Jr. fight. If the stars align, Canelo's not out of the question, I suppose, although probably not top of mind. I don't mean, like, what's next in that sense. I mean, what did he prove? Unlike the Blahovich uh, uh, situation, which we just described, the Charlo brothers have been scratching and clawing for that outside validation, which, again, I don't begrudge them. I've done things like that in my career as well. But to me, what they proved is that the upper bound limit, that the very intense skeptics that they draw clearly need to move the goalposts a little bit here. They are capable of much more than their critics would let you believe. And that's true, really, of anybody. But what I mean to say is the Charlos, if you read even the boxing media to an extent, they're sort of begrudging in their respect. They're good, they're athletic, they're talented, they work hard, but they're not really that person. They're not really at that level. They're not really that good. And if they did fight someone on that level, you know, they probably wouldn't do all that well. As we talked about on Saturday Night BC, Jamal Charlo beat Derevianchenko better than Triple G or Jacobs. Jacobs and Triple G getting a knockdown, but then not having that sustained effort. Total comprehensive effort from Jamal Charlo, showing, yes, he has the physical tools to compete. He also has the smarts and the veteran skills at this point and understanding of the totality of the boxing experience to get the job done. And I'm not saying he beats Eubank Jr. Maybe he does. I'm not saying he beats Canelo. This is not my point. My point being is he has proved in this, and what he earned was that you cannot trust the skeptics to give you an honest view of the true nature of what he can do. You can't ignore them, but it just shows certain fighters elicit, or even pro athletes, elicit an amount of criticism that is rooted in something, but is totally overblown in other ways. And I think Jamal Charlo has shown that the critics are treating him in that kind of way. Well, look, you know, uh, maybe some of the critics wouldn't give him the credit because, you know, the Charlos are brash African-American stars who take no crap. I don't know, maybe some of that. But to, to defend the critics for, for to a second, you know, you can't really anoint somebody until you really see them in there against uh, a contemporary, a true elite. And that's what we had here in Derevinchenko. Now, 
time will tell if Derevchenko was, you know, somewhat damaged goods from the hell he went through against Golovkin. He didn't seem to be on Saturday night. He gave a world-class effort. He is, you know, what we said he was coming in. Sergey Derevchenko is one of the best fighters in the world. I'm sorry. You know, he's one of the elite middleweights, whether he's lost three title fights or not. He was the perfect foil for Jamal Charlo to have the chance to show us everything that he's about. He just so happens that he is the full package. So when he says before the fight, I'm already the best middleweight in the world, it, it's it's natural to be like, all right, bro, let's, you know, we got to see it, right? You know, I, I really can't give you any chance against Canelo until I see you in there against someone comparable. Well, here's Derevchenko, and what you saw was such a full performance. Luke, for, for the fact that Jamal, you know, according to CompuBox, I said the stat a lot last week, you know, attempts the least amount of punches for active middleweights. There was always that concern that he would allow Dervinchenko to have a certain place in this fight that maybe he, he didn't deserve because Jamal was the bigger fighter. I wanted to see him use the jab. He did exactly just that. He controlled distance at such a expert level that there really are no flaws in Jamal Charlo's game at 160 pounds. And there really are very few fighters who are going to be able to deal outright with that combination of speed, power, and athleticism. And then when you add in the intelligence, the patience, the poise, this is an absolute complete fighter. Uh, you know, I don't know Canelo's future. I don't know his network future, given all that's going on with his DAZN lawsuit and the, you know, the, the reports coming out that he may settle with them or he may look to go elsewhere. Who knows? I don't even know if Canelo wants to fight or can fight anymore at 160. But what Jamal Charlo did on Saturday was everything you just said. And he also made a Canelo fight both needed and legitimate that you could make a strong case for him to win. And I think... When you take all things considered on this night, Jamal Charlo, I think, while this was the Charlo's night, I think Jamal was the big winner on the entire pay-per-view card. Yeah, I mean, just let me go back to the critics' point because I don't, again, I am a critic to, to, to many things in the, in the combat sports industry. So I, I think there is a valuable place for it. But the, critis, the criticisms of the Charlos was not like, oh, well, let's just see what happens. No, it was the opposite. It was this dismissal before he had a chance. I would watch them, and certainly I've been gone from the boxing industry for a long time. I've got a lot of work to do to catch up to see what I missed. I acknowledge it up front. I make no bones about it. But I would watch tape on this guy, and I'd be like, okay, you're right. He does have to uh, elevate the level of competition before we can draw a fuller picture of the totality of his abilities. What I didn't get was the people being like, oh, there's no chance. Oh, forget it. No, 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 no. He can't do it. They're not that good. They're just X or Y. And I was like, well, why are you putting those limits? What, what are you seeing in the tape that I'm not other than the competition needs to improve? I think that was the point. There was a certain hostility to the idea that they even belonged in that conversation or as somebody who would be on that trajectory. And I think that's what really bothered me. And to your point, the way in which he beat Derevianchenko with the smarts and the power, the combination of brains and brawn, and 30 years old, a lot of ring, a ring time at this point, it was, it was a, it, you know, masterful is a bit of a strong word, but damn good performance against a very, very significant challenge. I thought he passed with flying colors. Any final thoughts on that particular contest? Yeah, Derevchenko's future, final thought here. His manager, Keith Conley, as you mentioned, you know, they talked about he'll probably go down to 154 now. And at age 34, with a dream to win a world title, it makes a lot of sense. Derevchenko's a small middleweight. He gave hell 
to the three best middleweights of his era at the moment. Luke, even though 154 is a much deeper category, right? There are hella names up and down that roster that go from Harrison, Laura, Hurd, J-Rock, on and on to, to Jermel and, and Banana as well. Um, you know, he can win a world title in this weight class as long as, the, you know, the... The, the the punishment he has adore he has absorbed and oh by the way let's not act like he didn't his face was a mess once again he went for it he gave everything he had you know that's going to catch up to him one of these days but he's going to be tough out for a lot of these guys at 154 and I think we can make some fun fights with him moving forward so it seems like the right move so then let's talk in point four here about the second of the two Charlo brothers Jamel Charlo dispatching Jason Rosario phenomenal work although there were times where the, the bout was I would say Rosario had some success along the way. Is there anything left for him, Brian, for the smaller of the two brothers, Jermel, at 154 now that he's got three of the four titles? Yeah, there's there's a laundry list of names that I just mentioned that I need to see Jermel fight. The good thing is, though, coming in, you know, our eye test told us that from like a pound for pound, for pound perspective, he was probably the best at 154, and he did nothing on Saturday to, to prove that wrong. Now he's the power player in the division. He has three or four belts, and boy, do I want to see him rematch Erickson Lubin, take on his former... Uh, you know, sparring partner and stablemate, the great Arislandi Lara, go in there against a repackaged Jarrett Hurd. I mean, there are plenty, Luke, of big marquee fights to make. He's the guy now. I think he's going to deserve our pound-for-pound pound respect. I'd like to get in that maybe in another segment this week and sort of lay that out to see where the Charlos belong in this. But he's legit. But here's one tiny criticism I'll say, and we did say coming in. If I look at the expectations of the four main event fighters coming in, I thought Derevinchenko lived up to our expectations. I thought Jermall exceeded them. I do think, though, that Banana Rosario, who, again, we said we're not really sure how good he is, I think he certainly was underwhelming overall. And I think even though Jermall dominated this fight, even though he scored three knockdowns, even though he pretty much showed you who he is, I do fear for Jermall still, Luke, that he does not throw enough punches. That was a problem in two close fights with Tony Harrison. Maybe that first one didn't need to be a disputed decision if he had got out there with his jab and really made a statement like Jermall did against Derevinchenko. And if he had done that in the rematch with Charlo, I'm sorry, with Harrison, although Jermall did get a late knockout and it was spectacular, that fight maybe wouldn't have been as close either. Jermall is an incredible talent, just like his brother, an amazing counterpuncher. You saw the three knockdowns. But Luke, you look at the stats. Banana landed something like 24 more punches than Charlo. It's great to be efficient, but if you do not knock out the fellow elite standing across from you, and it just so happened that Rosario is not of that ilk, the judges may not reward how great your counterpunching was. You have to leave no doubt. Jamal learned that against Derevinchenko. I kind of need Jermel to learn that. It's a small criticism, but it may end up being, again, a hard lesson learned like he had the first time around against Harrison. Yeah, it's funny. He... And he, by the way, he committed the same sin in the second Harrison fight. He was numerically outstruck in that one for long portions of the fight, right? I mean, early knockdown notwithstanding, and of course, the way he stopped it. And then here, the same thing in the Rosario fight, where he was numerically outstruck until he just waited for these giant punctuated moments upon which to win. And he, in fact, did win. So the question is, to your point, right, what happens if J-Rock gets a crack? What happens if Hurd reestablishes himself what happens if by the way Derevinchenko goes down to 154 and that's a fight that makes it to you know guys you know might put it on him how, how long can he rest on these on this style before it costs him one more point though I don't understand why you're surprised Rosario fought the way that he did 
to me, it's like that that was the way in which he was dropped, I will acknowledge was surprising, especially that stab to the body. I, I don't think there was any acting. I think he got stuck with a hard shot. But I mean, the sort of loose style where in moments he can apply good pressure, he's got big power. I was looking at some boxing trainers uh, talking about it after the fact, and they were saying his whole stance was wrong, his whole approach to the game. There was a reason, or this particular fight, I should say, there was a reason why he was so susceptible there and why Charlo went the way he did. I don't know. Like, at 25, we talked about it, BC. He's still coming into his own, and he has this risk style where at times he's going to overperform and at times he's going to underperform. I don't know if he really underperformed versus he was overmatched. But you're really See, surprised I, at the way it, he fought? It may have been fool's gold with the J-Rock fight. You know, I did tease that coming in. I love Julian Williams. When he went in there against your guy, Jarrett Hurd, and just out Took Jarrett Hurded him, it was incredible, Luke. I mean, J-Rock is, is a great fighter, but does he have that major league-level chin? You know, Jamal found out that he didn't. Rosario did as well, but you're right. Rosario was not technically sound in there. He didn't, you know, elevate his game to the next level, and his power didn't seem to bother Jermel. So, uh, you know, it is what it is. He's a player in the division now, Banana, but I think this brings him certainly back down to earth. All right, and then last but not least, let's circle back to the UFC here if we can for point number five, BC. Ha, what about this? This is a funny one because you and I even barely talked about this during fight week. We're actually going to talk about it more here than we ever did. Conor McGregor versus Dana White. Now, we'll talk about Conor versus Pacquiao in just a second but for the moment let's get to this conor mcgregor uh posts essentially what do you want to say the dms from an instagram chat they had where he was asking for a series of things bc right uh, diego sanchez fight certain dates getting back out there and you see this sort of back and forth discussion that he has with dana he posted on social media dana then says it's one of the dirtiest things you can do it's a breaking of guy code although i suppose it involves girls too i don't know anyway and then Connor took back to social media, and he was like, bro, code was broken when you said I didn't want to fight uh, earlier this year about Justin. You know, when you lied about me, there, the code was off. Okay, what the hell's going on here, BC? <laughs> I want to get into the code part of it first. Does Dana do, you know, somewhat dirtbag tricks because he has leverage as the promoter and the way he talks to him? Yes, you know what I mean? Like, like... Uh, like any boss who's sort of negotiating with you, it, it is. So, you know, in Connor's own version of guy code, I could see where he feels like, you know, oh, you said this about me and it wasn't true. Now I don't need you as much because I can get this massive payday with the Pacquiao fight. So I'm just going to flip out the middle fingers and, and, and kind of slap you around a little bit. But I actually back Dana in this completely. I do think this is a violation of human code. Um you know, it's like that on Twitter or Instagram or whatever. You know, when you send somebody a private message, it's private. You know what I mean? In posting that out publicly, you know, we've seen it from time to time. It's a total slap in the face. Yes, you do speak in private differently than you do publicly, usually for certain reasons. I don't think that means Hulk Hogan is allowed to say the N-word on a sex tape privately, and then when it goes public, we can't, you know, roast him. Yeah, we should roast him. Good Lord, that's awful. I'm saying more like... You know, this, this Diego Sanchez conversation, that's promoter and fighter talking. There's different negotiations and leverage going on with there. I agree with Dana in this regard. But I want to talk about something larger here, Luke. I mean, look, I am just randomly happen to be wearing a Connor t-shirt here and do have a couple of Connor posters lingering around. Why? why you know, why? Because I love the man? Well, no. But he is a big part of this MMA era, and everything he's a part of is fun. And I do miss that when he's not there. But 
the week that you were gone and Rashad Evans slid in, we did have this discussion. Does my, and you know, a lot of fans and media are like this, does our love of what Connor brings to the sport, not our love of Connor himself, but what he brings to the sport, cloud the fact that it's over, Luke. Him being a legitimate title contender, consistent fighter, is it over? We said, mm. you know, with Rashad that I think it is. And I think I'm completely waking up to that fact based on these recent things we've seen. The fact that he wanted to, after beating Cowboy, main event against Diego Sanchez in L.A. Like, what the hell's going on here? And then the subsequent decision to make what is just an ill-advised move to box a Manny Pacquiao who still freaking has it, dude, who just knocked down and schooled unbeaten Keith Thurman last summer in one of the fights of the year. And look, you know, I'd love to test Manny Pacquiao's bloodstream too. I don't know what the hell's going on. I don't know how that guy at age 40 or 41 has calves that big and is still that quick. But the point is, he is. And there are a lot of ways Conor McGregor can make money. And the fact that he's so hell-bent Look, you want to go free match Floyd again? Do it, dude. I could even talk myself into it. We'll we'll make it rain all over the two of you in the ring while you're boxing. Manny Pacquiao's going to knock you out cold, bro. He's going to do bad things to your brand. I don't know what those guys in the Middle East are going to pay you, but it better be worth it. Because now you're kind of shitting all over Dana, who is a key to, to who you really are. Like, you can go sell whiskey. You can go moonlight as a boxer. But at the end of the day, if you don't come back into that octagon every once in a while and remind us who you are, you're nothing. You still need Dana. So to crap on him, to be flirting with this idea, of course Manny jumped all over it. Manny, to his credit, was like, I think I can help a lot of you know people, COVID victims. I think I can donate most of my purse. You know, Whatever you want to say about Manny Pacquiao, he does some good gestures right there. What the hell's Connor doing? It's over, Luke. The dream, the idea. I thought 2020 was going to be his year to come back reignite himself, build toward that Habib rematch and, and, you know, see what's left of him after a couple wild years of making money and getting in trouble. But Luke Thomas, it is over. I have come to terms with that. I'm going to take this shirt off and rip it up. We had a good run, but uh, bro, we're going to have to carry you out of that middle Eastern ring against the great Manny Pacquiao. Well, in, in the famous words from stripes of Sergeant Holka, lighten up, Francis, what are you talking about? Listen, I am perfectly willing to entertain the idea that these detours, the Sanchez potential detour, which I'm sure will not happen, and then the Pacquiao one, which might, I guess we'll have to see. Neither of these are what we had envisioned for him. Neither of these are what we would recommend. I don't think either of these, I mean, we might watch either or both, but it's not what we prefer out of him. And what kind of detour he's on, it, it is hard to understand. And so can I definitively say that your point about his days as a, a ranked sort of guy who was going to compete against the best in any sort of a reasonably consistent clip. Are those days over? I can't say that you're wrong, but let's go back here just a step if we can. First, is Dana White right that if you're having a private message with somebody on a social media platform or even text and someone's like, hey, you know, if I'm having a discussion with you in, in private and in good conscience, can you keep these details between us and you, and you share that with the wider world, is that a bit of a dirtbag move? It is a dirtbag move. Okay, there can be no denying it, and I won't defend it in that way however however like uh every promoter in this sport whether it's bob arum or scott coker or dana white all of these guys leak things to the media all the time to make any fighter they don't like or rival promoter or any entity they don't like look good they want to make it look bad all of them do it so this idea that that's we the keep game private- luke uh, that, the finish. game is the game as let me omar finish. said let me finish as let omar me said the game is the game bro okay listen 
you can't claim that what you're really interested in is private conversations when you're sharing private information to disparage people or entities that you don't like. And I get it might be the game. Well, get it. Welcome to the game. Connor didn't break any laws by doing this. He may have broken some understood agreement that there's nothing written, but still, he didn't break any laws. And which brings me to this point. We're talking about an organization in the Ultimate Fighting Championship that can't stand any criticism that goes crazy when it happens with Dana White going after uh, Dave Doyle from USA Today MMA Junkie on Twitter for having an opinion that was frankly kind of innocuous. It was no big deal, and Dana White lost his mind. They put provisions in all their contracts that don't let you talk about pay if you're a fighter. Uh, We've been over this before, all the ways in which they try to muzzle um, any kind of um, uh, information that they don't want to get out that could make them look bad. And then we're going to have these situations where we're going to go after Connor for leaking information that makes him look good. What they ba- or not make him look good, but but that certainly um, furthers the conversation. I think a little bit in in his favor, at least the way he sees it. Listen, here's the deal: uh, you can have all of these formal arrangements by which you can stifle speech, but in the end, if you try and bully everyone into a code of silence and a practice of not really sharing details somebody's going to come along that doesn't feel leveraged to do that and i don't recommend doing this i wouldn't do it i think dana has a point in saying you probably shouldn't but it ain't written down it's absolutely something he nah, can do Luke, he nah, can you he missed can, it here you, hold, you're, hold on you're still hold on angry at dana for whatever and dana's not uh, what, perfect, what am i angry dana's, at dana for he's dana's done he's done nothing to me but i don't understand somebody that tries to find every which way they can with every party they interact with to either stifle criticism or stifle speech. And then when someone leaks something that you don't like, now you have the temerity to say, well, you owed me the honor of not doing this. Dude, if you want someone to, if you want someone, if you want someone to not share details, put it in writing that they can't. Because otherwise, first of all, if you share any of my DMs to you, including picks, (laughs) you're done. First of all, number two, it'd be one thing if Connor came out and was like, you guys don't understand when Dana and I talk behind the scenes, it's different. He said this and this. Well, then it gives Dana a chance to say, oh, that's crazy. That's the game, bro. Okay. So Dana Dana is allowed to go out there and say false things or certainly things that are insulting and make fighters look bad. And they're just supposed to take it. No, really? they are allowed to do the same thing, Luke. Connor is allowed to go in front of the media and even lie. So if he leaked DMs. It's within and now, the game. And now Luke. what? Is, did Dan, it's did, a difference. Did, did, there's a difference the, between saying Dana won't pay me what I'm worth and actually showing the contract. Right? You don't do that. You're right? not there, supposed to. You're not supposed to do that. That is. You're not right, supposed to. Right. But even if that wasn't paid. in the clause, Luke. It's it's breaking the rules of the game. I can tell you, I what think rules? anything or this. The rules that you imagine exist that don't exist. There's a That's code. The There's rule? a human code, Luke. I, I, I mean, look, I. Do you Connor, have a lot of friends? Connor is you guilty of one thing. Your Connor is guilty over. of. This could Connor be our guilty. last episode if you want to break the code. All right. Connor is guilty of one thing: the indecency of respect for a private conversation. That's it. But yes, when you look at the okay, fine. But when you look at the larger conversation about how many times the UFC uses their bully pulpit to define Bro, to the media their narrative, you can't to, use to, Connor to say as the things example. about other entities wants that aren't even true. He wants ownership of the promotion. He's not going to get it. This is a different scenario. This isn't like some middle class fighter who's been you know screwed over. There's a lot of those guys. Connor, like. Dude, they've given him everything, right? I mean, they've, they've gone over have his house they? and drinking whiskey with him. You know what I'm they saying? They took a like, huge chunk of his purse from the May- Mayweather fight. Have they given him everything? 
Because you want to know why? Because if they didn't, if he didn't bring them in as co-promoter, there would have been a court battle. That's why, and the fight wouldn't have happened. Because the contracts the game, are though. insanely restrictive. That's I'm not why. trying to protect the evil empire here. I am saying there are rules to this game, and you do have to play it the right way. Okay. When you he play did, a game he, for years like they do of media manipulation, and to say the things that they have said about he could fighters, play it too, dude. But he played it Connor a little too dirty. Then Connor is playing by a different right? rule book. That's it. Connor's playing by a different rule book. It's one you don't like, but it's one he has the right to play with. And there's consequences to it. Maybe people don't share private information with him anymore. Fine. Those are the rules he'll have to accept. But if you Look, don't do you like the way tell... Connor's playing it, too bad. Do you want me to tell Jay right now everything you said about him this weekend? I'll do that. I'll show him the DMs, okay? Jay, are you here? Jay, are you even Jay here Jay is today? so irrelevant, I didn't even mention him. Let me, let me troll the fans and bring Jay in. Jay, are you there at the aircraft carrier? What's going on, bro? I'm here at the aircraft carrier. Okay, I got I got Ron Johnson waiting on Skype. Can we bring him in, please? I, I got to get to the bottom of this. I want Wait, Ron Johnson button? to show me the DMs of why No Escape never never made it. All right. By the way, those DMs would be very damning, very damning. Jay, can you settle this debate? Who's right and who's wrong? There's a game, but there's a code, bro. Okay, come on. I don't know. I think when you're that famous, there's no code. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, like they're not they're not buddies. They they were you know Dana. Te it's it's good. I'm with Luke. I'm you out of here. Jay would sell our soul in a second, Luke. Yeah. Jay, I would the, never. Here's the only I would never. Here's the only question for Jay that matters. Jay, why do you do such hilarious stick before the show, and then when the show comes on, you act like uh, this is Mindhunter and I'm interrogating you because you ate your neighbors? Uh, I, I try to, like, tone it down so Brian could look funnier. Okay, got to go. <laughs> Jay, happy happy yes. Yom Kippur to you and your tribe, Jay. Okay, to you and your people. Thank you all, right, well, all look, our listeners he, uh, out there. Okay, you. Okay. Luke, you don't Luke, you don't serve any masters, so you know, check your DMs, uh, bro. I serve many masters. One is this MK brand. All right, BC, we can't agree on this, but maybe we can on the Pacquiao fight. Forget about the Diego Sanchez idea. I don't even know what to say about that. But he's got he's Pac girthy, right? Diego's girthy, bro. He certainly did not look in his best shape. So let's talk about the Pacquiao fight. Honestly, you know, here's what kind of got me about it. I'm not even saying it won't happen. It actually might. We've talked about before that Pacquiao has been rejuvenated at this stage in his career. It's a terrible fight for Conor. It seems like on paper anyway. Rather than it happening or not happening, here's what caught my attention. It doesn't have nearly the same buzz as an idea of a Mayweather rematch or whatever. Like People seemed like interested in it, but they didn't seem that interested in it. Was, did, I, did I misread that? No, you're right, because just like the first fight when Floyd was two years retired, let's not forget that, right? And Connor was at a point after the Alvarez win where you're like, I don't know, dude, maybe he could knock out this old guy. You know, we've, we've seen the guy behind the curtain now. Now, look, to Connor's credit, he fought well enough in that Floyd fight that we would buy a subsequent celebrity, excuse me, celebrity boxing type fight like this, but... He's picking the wrong guy. He's picking a guy who still has it. All right. The Floyd one would matter more to your previous points in other episodes. Um, man, he's not going to sell this fight like Floyd would. Okay. You're not going on a four city international tour. And by the way, two of those four stops, I mean, there was genius level marketing and performance art going on out there to sell that thing. It's not going to happen with Manny. We'll care to a degree, but you know what I'm more interested in? Do you see KSI said that he can definitely knock out Mike Tyson? Give me that kind of celebrity slop. I'll watch Mike Tyson knock out all these fools, all right? You're not interested? I mean, I guess, I, 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 look, we would obviously, dude, not only would we watch a Pacquiao-McGregor fight, we'd be there in attendance telling folks why it's not so bad the Friday before. I mean, we're absolute fame-chasing hypocrites. But I just, I, I'm, I'm sort of trying to, un, here's what I'm trying to wrap my head around. 
Why is it people don't seem to be as interested in it as you otherwise might imagine? If they fought, it's good for a million buys. I think we could agree with that. Hell, maybe even two, maybe something like that. I don't really know. Uh, not without a storyline. It's a million, but no, you're not getting two without a storyline. You know, Connor what, would have what, to disparage what does that say all about, Filipinos, bro. Okay. Well, what does that say about this fighter about Connor? I mean, maybe your point to start the initial conversation was correct. That people are a little bit like, Jesus, dude, this is this is a weird detour that I don't know that I can get on. I'm not going to ignore it because of the fame and you know, so the car crash element to it. Uh, do you think that this lack of interest, again, relative lack of interest in the Pacquiao fight is evidence of your original thesis? I guess it must be. Well, dude, if, he, if this fight happens but doesn't sell that well and he gets knocked out, how is that even remotely good for his brand? You know what's good for his brand? Fight Tony Ferguson, right? You know what I mean? Come back and beat. Look, you, we gave you the, the Cowboy one. We gave it to you. UFC gave it to you. They served it up. You hit a freaking home run. Come back now. Get up. Get Kevin Lee. Get somebody that that we're like. All right, maybe that guy could beat you. Let's see. You know, come back. Make it a pay per view main event. I'm sure there's enough money out there. I'm sure you can go to Abu Dhabi and there's enough money out there to bring Connor in. Do that, okay? Get back in line to us believing that you're a real fighter because that's how you make the money. That's how you bring the excitement. When we think you're just some celebrity at this point, we don't care. You don't. No one cares. I'm stopped. Mm. I'm done. I'm taking this shirt off right now. Do you want to see my? You want to see my gyno nipples? I'll take it off right now. All right. All right. We'll get to that a little bit later. But uh, time now for when we take questions from you guys. You leave them every Sunday on our Instagram page at Morning Combat. It's time for DMs from dogs. All right. All right. I don't know that I got them from. Uh, yes, I did. Gaff sent them here. Okay. Let's go here now. First question from OscillateWildly87. BC, there's a lot of speculation online about Adesanya's right. right. Luke, Luke, that's Uh not the right question, bro. There we go. Well, that's not my fault. I read them in order. There's a lot of speculation online about Adesanya's right peck, including some people saying steroid use. What do you think the explanation for it could be? I'm sorry. We we can't not talk about this, right? It's right in our damn face. So here's the deal. Do you remember when Juan Manuel Marquez... You know, it was at the end of his career in his late 30s, a Hall of Fame career, a guy who won titles at like 122, 126, 135. He went up to welterweight to fight Manny Pacquiao and he was jacked as shit and he took his shirt off and he had back knee like a mofo. And we're like, are, are we supposed to act like it's not there? Are we supposed to act like that isn't some giant warning sign? I'm not going to say what you think I'm going to say because I don't know, Luke. I could go the root of you, which I am now pretty much believing in. All of our heroes, if they want to compete at this level, whether it's boxing, MMA, NBA, NFL, I don't care. You, you, you're, you're probably dipping your hand you know, into the black magic bag. It just is what it is, right? I mean, if it was good enough for German track stars in the 60s, it's probably good enough for our heroes now who are doing insanely great things in their late 30s, by the way, that seemed 20 years ago to be impossible. Uh, thank you, cryo chamber and keto diet. Uh, but, you know, come on. Um, let, let me ask I'm, you a me ask, serious I'm question. If you, Luke, if you, if I'm you as are skeptical. St- Hold on, bro. I'm as skeptical seeing that. I'm sorry, as I am Borishina just being ripped to the freaking gills. It gives you that same feeling, all right? I mean, here's the thing about it with this interesting and intense focus. It's like, 
first of all, there were two medical doctors that came out with videos on YouTube for whatever that is worth. They are licensed and practicing physicians, but they said there actually could be a number of explanations for it, and they went through it. One could be trauma because it was asymmetrical, although I saw some steroid users saying that they had asymmetric gyno at times, so you know uh, how much of that is a factor. And there was another one I retweeted yesterday. He listed all the ways in which this could happen. You have to ask yourself what the probability is of that. Neither of us are medical professionals. Would it surprise me if he or Adesanya or anyone was using something? No. <laughs> when I began to read um, uh, literature that the scholars were doing on anti-doping, they kept coming back to something. And at first, I didn't understand its relevance, BC. They were talking about the Olympics and then its origin. And they were talking about the guy that uh, founded it. And they kept saying that what he wanted was this ideal of sport as humanism, of uh, amateurism, not as the way we understand it today, but of as an activity that um, was good for the soul, was good for uh, social fabric, was good for certainly just as a, uh, a, a person-building exercise. Part of what goes into anti-doping, certainly through the Olympics, which we've borrowed their system and then their punishment cycle, is this idea that what we should be doing should be good for ourselves, good for society. But what they've also done is complicated everything over the years by bringing in, especially through 1984, this massive profit-driven machine with sponsors and the Coca-Cola Spotlight and the Visa Halftime Show and you know everything else that goes into what you see there. They have utterly corrupted the first idea about what the Olympics, the modern Olympics, was supposed to be about. And so when you do that, when you put that much money on the line where people want to see huge ratings and they want to see larger-than-life figures and they want to make sure that they can cash in if you're an athlete by being better than the next guy because the reward between first and second is enormous, what do you expect rational actors to do? And if you're Adesanya, and again, I don't know what the truth is, use your best judgment. If you want to think he used it, Fine, I won't argue with you. Maybe he did, maybe he didn't. But if you're in there, had we not heard that if you fought in pride, it only made sense to use it if you knew the other guy across from you was out there juiced to the gills as Pretty well. Dude, ladies and gentlemen, you need to wake up a little bit. This, I've woken. I've woken yeah, up. It took me a this while. I, I've woken this up. idea that like people are bad because they use it. You might want people to obey the rules. You can't have sport without rules. I understand that. But you are conceptualizing... Let me finish. You are conceptualizing a behavior that is absolutely rational from beginning to end for money, for career preservation, and depending on what you're taking, for injury, for rehabilitation. Thinking that this is some kind of evidence of poor character rather than just responding to the incentive structure that we have laid out for people you're going to keep running into this problem over and over and over again. If he used, I don't give a fuck. I mean, could he have, like, been doing a nice chest workout and strained a pack and it got a little uh, yes, loopy? Yes, yes, apparently that's a, that's a reasonable, yes, apparently that's possible. I don't know. All I'm saying is I have come across, maybe it's your influence on me, but I've come around. I mean, like, look, if, if Sylvester Stallone's going to put out another Rambo movie and he's going to be like, you know, 68 or 70 years old shooting people and he takes your shirt off, you kind of want him to be ripped, right? We, we are fully okay with these actors, you know, juicing up to the gills. I know they're not competing against other humans, but remember when Stallone got stopped in the Australian airport and he had like enough H, HGH and, uh, <laughs> to like fill up like a van? I mean, yeah. like, you know, like there's also uh, here's a weird element to it. 
it's probably safer at this level for some of these guys to use that, knowing, like you said in Pride, the guy across from them is going to be coming for their soul and looking to, you know, kill them. I mean, it's and a has, wild. And may have been using. Yeah. Um, all I'm saying is, uh, I hope, did he get asked? I, like, I hope somebody who flew there, and I hopefully they didn't fly on, like, the UFC private plane, but was there any media members there who asked about it at all to Dana no, or Adesanya? And no, I know everyone, that, everyone pretends they don't see anything. I, remember when I know that you got to have a little bit of balls to do that because, you know, Adesanya could be like, you mother effer, what are you trying to say? I hurt myself, in, you know, I got injured, whatever. I mean, look, you know, it could go very poorly for you. You could lose well, your you don't have to ask but, it. You don't have to ask in a nefarious tone. You have a clear yeah. change in your physical appearance. I don't know what the hell explains it. There are some bad explanations for it, but what is yours? Just tell us what happened. Like, it's not, I'm not a medical fucking doctor. Imagine I have if you no did idea. that and Izzy pulled the John Jones and was like, nah. Luke Thomas, I don't really like you that much. Yeah, so well, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, I, what would I do? It'd be the same thing I've always done. I just, okay, well, then don't talk to me. But like, we can't have a conversation about obvious changes in people's physical. Now, he fought the same he always does, you know, he outsmarted no, no. him. Speaking of nipples, and this is a ridiculous segue, but if a female fighter gets enhanced, which happens in this game, we're not allowed to talk about that for certain obvious reasons. It's 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 not it's really I mean, it's it's not appropriate. Do you think there's a similarity there? No, because that's sexual uh, body policing. This is different. This is you've had a weird change in your appearance. Not a change in, I mean, he fought just as well as he ever did. There was no change there. And again, there could be a totally innocent, within the rules explanation. They were saying certain uh, depression medicines can cause this kind of thing. Maybe he's been, during the pandemic, he doesn't want to talk about the fact that he's been on medicines. Like I said, there could be any number of explanations. It's just this idea that, oh, well, my God, what if he was using? Yeah, what if he was using? Huge amounts of them use. It's a perfectly rational response. And the last thing I would say about this, BC, I'm not going to get on my high horse, but I'm just trying to help folks understand. No, you're, understand. Already, you're already there, bro. You're well, already I'm there. already there. Okay, I will there. ride a very delicate trot, not a full-on uh, sprint. I just want folks to understand something about this. Number one, we live in a total world of hypocrisy when we have way, way, way worse injury outcomes in American football. We have deaths at the high school level every year, and they just absolutely tolerate PED use, and no one seems to care. More to the point, I was told that when USADA was going to get here, they were going to make the sport safer. The sport looks safer to you. doesn't look any safer to me. I have never seen an entity in my life claim as much responsibility, claim as much accolade without proving any effectiveness at what they are doing whatsoever than USADA. And I'm the bad guy for asking, how do we know what you're doing works? That I'm the asshole for that? I have to prove that I work. I have to prove to CBS that I'm worth it. So do you, Brian Campbell. USADA has to do this, and they do nothing. I'd like to see you start proving that, by the way. Um, Yeah, but, you know, I would have liked... It's weird, but I would have liked if Izzy addressed it or somebody asked him. And again, even if he was lying, I would have taken that lie and say, okay, at least we addressed the large-ass areola in the room. Okay? Thank you. All right. With that in mind, we move along now to question, is there something to be said, by the way, from Pastor Blinn, a a better name. All right. A man of the cloth. I love this. Yeah, probably pastor in the Church of Satan, though. Is there something to be said about Reyes having his three brothers as his cornermen for this fight? didn't seem to have anywhere near the same focus and intensity during fight week compared to the Jones fight. That's actually an interesting question, BC. What do you think? It's a fair question. Uh, it's hard for us to have any idea or no, and I can't remember who his coach was before that. Do you offhand? Uh, it was Joe Stevenson. 
Joe Daddy. Wow. Joe Daddy. Right. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I don't know. I mean, it's certainly something for him and his close inner circle to look at and address. Um, again, I don't think he made a major error here. I'm not necessarily saying his game plan sucked. He got crunched to the body twice with the same strike, and then he got taken apart with, with you know, intelligent, sneaky counter shots. You know, I'm, I'm not really sure what else to say. He didn't look as sharp as the John Jones fight, which is why I sort of concur that maybe there was some, you know, letdown of, of natural can't-stop-it focus here. I mean, obviously, this was a title fight. Who, you know, why wouldn't you be coming in at your best? But, again, it's not John Jones, and you're the, you're the favorite coming in. I don't know if we can blame that on the brothers, but you know he'll have to figure that out, Luke. That's not for us to speak of. We like to yeah. talk about nipples in the show. Yeah, right? and I don't want to. I don't want to. You know, I'm not saying it was good or bad because it's just too hard to know from this distance. The one thing I think we can say is, as a reminder to everybody, dude, never forget they're fighting at weird hours in the morning. You know, what did that do for him? Because certainly it was a weird hour as well for um, Jan Blahovich, but he's coming from Europe, so it's not going to be necessarily as much of a big change. Um, although it's a big change for him too, I don't want to suggest. Or, I don't want to say that that's the thing. Is every time you bring that up, it's like, oh, you're saying that's why Blahovich won. It's not. Blahovich was just so much better that night. I'm just pointing out. I think when you're competing at weird hours, you're you're, you're going to get some weird differences at times. Always worth keeping that in mind. Uh, all right, from at St. John underscore CA BC, who do you want to the Charlo brothers? <laughs> I guess who do you want to see the Charlo brothers up against next? Be the matchmaker. What do you think? All right, let's talk Jermel first at 154. Of the three titles he owns, Erickson Lubin did secure the WBC mandatory. The reason why I wouldn't mind that next is even though uh, Lubin, you know, he looked both good and bad against Gaucher to win that fight, Jermel knocked Lubin out in 2017, and I do think Erickson Lubin has improved a lot. You have that backstory. That would be a very fun fight to make next, but I can't stress this enough. Unless, you know, some uh, sanctioning body is going to push some name you've never heard of from Europe who's completely undeserving, there is nothing but banger fights you can make for Jermel from here on out at 154. Uh, I would love a Tony Harrison trilogy down the line, but Luke... My specific fight I want to see the most for Jamel is Eris Landy Lara. He's still got a lot left in his late 30s. He has to fight more than he used to because his legs are slowing down. And they used to both be trained by Ronnie Shields before Jamel left to join forces with Derek James. And uh, they both said they are more than willing to fight each other. They've sparred in the past. I think that is the perfect fight that would be would look it- really good on Jamel's resume because Eris Landy Lara has been... You know, outside of the time when Canelo came in and beat him in that disputed fight, Irislandi's been the class of this division for a decade. So okay. the Canelo fight was a little bit boring. Let me play devil's advocate. We, is that a, is that a fun fight? What 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 fight? Uh, Charlo versus Lara. Um, it would be now. It has the potential to be now because if you look at Irislandi Lara in the past three four fights, he's had some killer brawls right against Jarrett Hurd against Castaño. That fight we were at. I mean, he's slowing down, so he has to fight now. With Jermel though being a low punch output counter puncher, yes, there is potential here that this is some kind of slow chess. But I will say this: when you're someone like Jermel, who we are now ready to potentially throw pound for pound claim at we're now saying you are the king of the division i need to see him against every style i need to see him against sluggers guys like jared Herder are going to be up inside of him all the time i need to see him against guys who can potentially out boring him in a chess match so just for me as the hardcore fan i want to see that fight very much who do you want to see jamal take on luke well the one given the pbc realities that appears to be the likeliest is is chris eubanks jr so give me that I guess- give me that 
Yeah, which is not a bad fight, by the way, because he's got a... Folks who may not realize this, he was... We covered together, BC, uh, in the last fight before this one that we were together at the Brooklyn um, Barclays Center when Garcia fought Redcatch. Uh, Eubanks was on that card. He's got a big mouth. He's got a very, very big mouth. He loves... The big right hand, too, bro. Yeah, big he's right hand. He's got a big out punch. And he's got a sort of a weird, interesting boxing style, too. So that's not the certainly far from the worst fight you could make. It's kind of interesting. But I'll be honest, I kind of feel like getting a guy, you know, young, 30, in his prime against Canelo. I know Canelo's got his hands full with zone and everything else. I'm just speaking in a world. I, To me, again, would I favor Charlo to beat Canelo? No, I would not. I think I would favor Canelo to win. But would I favor Charlo to give us a really fun interesting fight that could pull in a lot of by the way demographically a lot of diverse crowds together to watch that would elevate the profiles of of the charlo brothers in a way that i think it deserves to be um elevated i think this pay-per-view also went a long way towards doing that to me that's the that's uh, i mean i i'm really excited by the you know knock on wood maybe the gods are smiling upon us we can get it yeah real quick eubank um is such a great trash talker and they already hate each other. The fat that time last year when Jamal Charlo told me to fuck off and hung up on me on my podcast was because <laughs> I mentioned Eubanks name too many times. Eubanks uh. a great flashy guy like his dad. And he now has Roy Jones Jr. In his corner, which is very interesting because Eubank, not a traditional boxer. Other trainers have tried to make him one. Roy Jones understands this is an athlete in front of me who does weird things. I want to see what that equation leads to. And there's also Demetrius Andrade. He does fight for DAZN, but look. Hasn't he just been, like, gone? Nobody wants to fight him, right? He was out for promotional reasons for a while. Now, like, if they could just make that work, that's a critical star on Jamal's resume if he could beat Andrade. He's world class. So then we go to Neon Young. Do you agree with Israel's idea to dock fighter pay at 90% for missing weight. I got to tell you, I don't. Um, I am not averse to the idea that we have not used enough effective penalization to deter missing weight. I'm open to that concept. But I got to tell you, BC, taking the, these guys don't make enough money as it is. Taking 90% of someone's purse, I understand why... Uh, Adesanya was so heated about this, and I, I, I respect it. I really do. I, I think the, you, know, you put yourself through that, and your opponent doesn't, and then they get certain advantages in a fight, and you're already not fighting for that much, and you're on these crazy schedules, and you've been away from your family. Yeah, man, it's, it's infuriating. It must be. There is some evidence, and Guillermo Cruz of MMA Fighting has looked into this. I believe it's the Shuto organization, or maybe it's Jungle Fight in Brazil, where they'll take a certain monetary penalization, and then if you go beyond that, whatever the rules may be, they start taking points away from you in your fight. So you'll start the first round with the maximum amount of points you can get is nine, not ten. And they've asked, like, what has been the effect on that? Um, has it reduced the amount of um, uh, weight you know, failure catastrophes? There is some evidence to suggest that it has. Has it made the fights you know, go all to draws because you're already taking a point in the way that a referee might, and so you end up that way? No, not necessarily. You get a couple of them, a little bit more, but not dramatically. So to say, there is some evidence, BC, to indicate that maybe taking points from a fighter in addition to the monetary fine, if it gets bad enough, that actually is something I might be in favor of. Yeah, I'm not against the idea of making more of a penalty for what Izzy is saying to fully dissuade you from getting in that gray area where you're like, you know, do I want to kill myself over this hour or 
Can I just take the penalty and have a better chance to win? You never want to see anybody get an advantage from doing something wrong. But to your point, they're already making sometimes just enough to pay off training camps. So not everyone's out there to do this. Some people, you know, they have perfectly legitimate reasons why they didn't make weight. Maybe just cancel the fight if you don't make weight. Promoters won't want that. There are scenarios in which that would really suck. But, you know, maybe avoid any kind of advantage. You don't make weight, you're not going to get paid for the fight to begin with. So... Well, let's, I don't know. Let's, I don't know. The let's clar- I don't, I'm not in favor of that either because let's clarify something. The reason why you don't want to go too heavy-handed with the punishment is that if you create an incentive structure for you to not miss weight because the penalty is so strong, then what you're going to get is people desperate to do it and they're going to cut weight in inadvisable ways. Now, if the UFC is monitoring them and not letting them get to that point, then that's not really something that you necessarily have to worry about. But now you have a situation where a guy cut as much weight as they medical staff let them, and now they only have 10% of their purse. This is not an effective way to manage the problem, in my view. You have to give them some kind of incentive to make them feel it, but what you don't want to do is either end up with poor fighters who couldn't cut any more weight than they were allowed because of the rules, or they cut so much goddamn weight that they ended the, the fight in a dangerous kind of scenario Again, I, I, I understand that 30% feels like we're not doing anything. Okay, we can do more. But let's do it in a way where we're not chasing extremes. I think that's uh, I'm all I'm just waiting I'm for a, a day when we fully wake up on weight cutting. And, and unfortunately, it usually takes like deaths or loss of money for fights falling apart for someone to even think about this. But let me give you a for example. Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., who's a train wreck, he actually fought last Friday on DAZN and it got like no fanfare. DAZN put out a Spanish-only broadcast. He ended up doing junior things, which is he fought a nobody, got caught and quit and lost on the scorecards. But when he was actually, quote-unquote, good for that short season, Luke, the only really redeemable skill he had, which made him quasi-elite and a title holder, was that he could rehydrate insane amounts after cutting. He'd make 160, and then he'd get up to, like, cruiserweight level, and he'd Mm. just walk dudes down, go to the body, lean on them, and out-big them. And why aren't we just going to get to a point where... You have certain, we already have like in boxing like a 30 day weight check where if you if you're not in a certain window the fight you know you can't continue. I've always said the only way to really fix weight cutting so people don't attempt extreme things is have like 10 or 12 of those. Have a right. have a weight check 2 weeks out, 1 Calif- week out. California system. Every day into all the way to the point where you check them like an hour before in the locker room so that it's actually impossible to go down to a weight class that your body really doesn't belong in. I think you would eliminate the, you know, extreme, you would eliminate the health protocol that, that is the problem here. And I know you're saying, well, what about those people who are not big enough for a higher weight? It just is what it is. All right. You got to fight at your comfortable weight. That, I don't know. I mean, maybe that's too and then, logical, Luke. Maybe it's too logical. And then, and then last thing on this, BC, you know, understand there is a natural tension between weight cutting and the number of weight classes. You know, you start having weight classes 15, 20 pounds apart, um, you're going to have more of these problems. That by itself, no one solution fixes everything. And I think folks keep looking for one totalizing solution to the problem. It's not that. But I'm with you. More weigh-ins. People always say hydration testing. Oh, one does it and it works. Let me be clear about this. There is no evidence, which I'm not saying it doesn't mean it's not true, but they have not presented clear, verifiable, comprehensive evidence that what they do works. So it's something I think we should look into. Chatry said it was the most watched card in the history of global television. (laughs) I've I've never seen, I mean, people just, promoters can say something 
And people just repeat, oh, well, they do hydration testing and it works. Motherfuckers, you have no idea if it works. None. Remember Zero. when? <laughs> do you remember when they did that COVID money concert to raise money and Shatri decided <laughs> to stream it uh, on like the one network? And then that press release came out that it was like, I mean, come yeah. on, bro. And they claimed like Lady Gaga was part of what they were. I mean, it's just like, you mean these people who make totally false claims all the time? They're the ones who figured out weight cutting? Okay. Uh, all right. I mean, maybe they did, but we have no evidence that they did. All right. Last but not least, from Mark Menji. What was the grossest thing you both ate and drank all week, and who showered less? How many times did you shower, BC? Uh, <laughs> I did shower uh, daily, but uh, it, w it did get gross and sweaty. Um, Doing the room service diaries in your non-air conditioned room with the yeah. you know grossness all look I don't get it. I, I'm so, I'm not here to rip the Mohegan Sun it's a fantastic hotel and resort and they really took great nice care hotel. of us but uh, they did not clean our rooms every day I think it was part of their COVID protocol and yeah. uh, it got a little it got a little gross in there it smelled bad there was pizza yep. boxes and food all over um, what did I eat that was the the so we had a very we stayed in the secondary hotel tower there so it was a much smaller menu. Uh, in access to the you know room service kitchen, and we were some days we were forced to eat room service. I had one of those buffalo chicken wraps in which the buffalo sauce, the the, the heat was just jacked up, and it was. I had tough. it too. It was too much. It was too strong. I crapped for a. There was a lot of it. I had a yeah. I I blew the room out, and then you know you can't. You, no one travels with air freshener. I can only spray so much cologne in the air before I. You know I know Luke. You like to smell yourself, but that was just it was it was gross. Right? Well, I I sad to report I did in fact shower every day, so that was a problem uh, for the question. In terms of the grossest thing I ate, I had half a Reuben sandwich fell asleep yeah. and then in the morning i forgot to refrigerate it and i ate it anyway the second half no problem all right can we let's let the truth be told here okay here's what luke would do every single time we would record a room service diary i'd come in and he'd be like hold on room service is going to be here in a second and he'd order a full-on hot meal and i'd be like well dude bro you want me to give you like here take time to eat it we don't have to record right now and he'd be like no 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 i'll, I'll get to that later and then you would eat hot you'd have a microwave in your room and nope. you would eat like a hot food like two hours later cold and you're like it's just the way i like it yeah well it got a little too cold but i usually don't like it as hot as they serve it so i would have so I, I did have weird. i had the salads before i went to bed i wouldn't wake up and eat a salad that was left out but i did eat a half a reuben sandwich that was left out overnight i did do that yeah i was hungry go fuck yourself all right well with that grossness bc take it away good sir all right, you know what we do in these parts. We, uh, we circle the globe, high and low, for the good, the bad, the ugly, and combat sports and beyond. Please, it's called. Can we run the, run the thing, Jay? Jay, can you run the thing? The thing where the guy goes, <laughs> yeah, it's really weird. All right, it's called Have You Seen the Shit? Let's start with UFC 253, Luke. You referenced it earlier, the wild antics of your guy, Adesanya. Wow, wow. Somebody was uh, pointed out that da Tank Abbott did this in, some, in an early UFC fight, but not this, like, didn't you know, uh, Tank Abbott was worse. Tank Abbott brutally knocked out. I think it was John Matua, if memory serves. And then when the guy is like having a seizure on the ground, he told the crowd with the microphone in his face that it made him sexually aroused. Uh, people think, though, once the camera went off for room service diaries, that this was us, Luke. And that is not true. I can report on that. This was basically uh, us during room service diaries, for fuck's sake. Uh, Adesanya what, didn't stop here with the grossness. He approached uh, Costa's coach, Eric Alboracin. And did you see this thing where he did the... Yeah, the he told me he was going to jizz all over him, yeah. And then he yelled, I will come all over. Yeah, that was... um. 
you know, I did defend him earlier and say I like brashness, but that was a little far, Luke. That was a little uh Yeah, it's a little, a little gross. Albaracine, uh, who, by the way, is a great guy, Captain America's, um, he told him that we're still coming for Volkanovsky, is what he said. And then, and then uh, Stylebender was like, yeah, well, I'm going to come all over you. That's interesting. Who is that? Who, he coaches Cejudo. Who else? The Pitbull brothers. Ah, yeah. I love this. I know. He, here's the thing. I love this guy. He wears glasses that end up getting him mocked a little bit. He is a brilliant coach and a sweet person. I actually really like him a lot. Your favorite coach is Eugene Bearman. True or false? I don't. I've never met Eugene in person, so I can't say yes. I'm going to say my clubhouse leaders are Brandon Gibson and uh, Eric Nixick. I like them a lot. Remember that dude who used to coach um, for Team Faber, the Asian guy? What, what happened to him? Buckholtz. What happened to oh, that? Oh, uh, Master Tong. He went back to Thailand. All right. All right. Uh, this is what I did like from Adesanya and crew. Luke, there ain't no party like a city kickboxing party. Did you see the celebration when Adesanya took the cameras with him down the hallway and back to the makeshift uh, locker room inside this Thunderdome? Luke, this is what I was hoping and expecting when we got off the set of the uh, Showtime intermission stage from our team here at Malka, but this was not the vibe. I would have loved this. They're all doing bushwhackers and stuff. I would have went nuts for this. This is great. Yeah, I've never been greeted this way, and now I didn't know that I needed to be, and now I'm sad about it. Yeah, next I'm, time I, I see you, if I see you, if I see you next month, which is a possibility, uh, we have to greet each other this way. This is great. Shout out to all those guys. Uh, there was some other weirdness this week. Luke, I don't even know this guy's name. Who was this undercard fighter during the faceoffs who no sold Dana's handshake and then just did some weird old school kung fu karate type stuff? What is no. going on? Oh here? my god, dude, you are so painfully white. Jesus Christ, he's doing a haka. He's from New Zealand. You fuck. Don't you understand that? What do you expect? I'm cultured to hakas, Luke. I mean, come on. You've you want never me to seen. Write me a you've haiku? never seen the 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 all blacks do it. No, no. I have many many black friends, but no, Luke. No. The not, all blacks is all. the name of the New Zealand rugby team, not because they okay, are actually okay. Okay, but who is this guy? It was weird. Okay, Even Shane Dana's Young. Like... Shane Young. He's from New Zealand. He fights for City Kickboxing. He got viciously. Oh, he got KO. sent to hell by yeah, an overweight. Yeah, he guy. got he yeah. got he got whooped. He got whooped, but it was he was doing the haka. True or false? Did Dana call him kid afterwards? Uh, he calls 90-year-old people kids, so I'm guessing the okay. answer is yes. Okay, all right. Uh, we also got a little bit of bingo here in the Costa Adesanya face-off. Were you down with Paulo bringing the white belt and trying to, uh, while he's wearing a black one, and insult Izzy by throwing it? Did you like this, I, Luke? I didn't understand it. Like, neither of them are, 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 are a black belt in what? Now, do you believe Dana's claim that this was the most watched face-off in UFC history? Uh, it sounded not. a little Chatri esque. Yeah, probably that. I don't. I mean, there might be some way to define it where it is, like based on this way, which if you define metrics eighteen to thirty four in a live window, you know, maybe like that. But like overall, no, I don't believe that. However, I will say right. this: uh, you go through the trending YouTube sections yesterday and even today, filled with UFC two fifty three content. So I have no doubt UFC had a big pay per view hit on their hands. All right, this is the moment of the week for me, Luke. Did you see Joanna, my girl, Boogie Woman, going sick for Jan Blahowitz winning the title, Luke? She's dropping F-bombs. She's going nuts. Look at the passion and intensity right there, Luke. You down on it? You got any feels on this? You catching anything, Luke? Sorry, Brian Campbell. Uh, I don't like you, so I'm not going to answer your question. Luke, she is feeling it. I want what she's having, Luke, okay? Yes, look at that. Yes. The, actually, you're wrong. This is actually after watching episode three of uh, Room Service Diaries. 
Oh god! One day you'll forgive her, Luke. She's a she's a, you know I mean she's a little no, self. No, I definitely won't. I definitely won't. All right, all right. We'll have to we'll have more on this conversation on our Patreon show. Thank you. All right, uh, Luke. Let's move on here. Um, the person who I believe who sent you to hell the best this week was former UFC fighter Dean Thomas, who sure tweeted did. out that Luke Thomas always reminds me of Michael <laughs> J. Fox's father in Teen Wolf. Luke, this was the burn of a lifetime. I'm glad that you playfully accepted it. Yeah. But can we show the footage of what Dean was talking about here about old Luke? Yeah. This was such a great 80s reference. Jay, do you have the reference counter to throw out here in, in, uh, in if you, celebration? If you, see, if you didn't see the tweet, he was like, "You, there he, that's me right there. That I look like the dad in Teen Wolf. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, our guy on Twitter, he calls himself the meme guy at Joe Jaggy. That's Jaggy with two G's and an I. He, he did the work for us. There we go. Remember we used to do that thing, Jay? Thank you. Uh, can you advance the slide, Jay? Thank you to Joe Jaggy for, uh, no, that's not the one. That's oh, not the that's one. fucking awesome. That's not the one. This is not oh, what we that do is on fucking this show. What is awesome. Happening? That's not the one, Jay. Jay, give me the one. There we go. <laughs> Dude, it's a it's a dead. It's it's a, it's your twins right there. All I right? look at Honky Kong right here, buddy. I mean, now wow. if you are if you are well versed on Teen Wolf, Joe Jaggy, the meme guy, took it one step further. He said I was giving him Styles vibes. You remember Styles, Michael J. Fox's best friend in that movie, I the guy don't. who rode on top of the van. I don't. I don't. This is br Luke. It's brilliant. I it's brilliant. Okay, sorry. I like your belt. All right, what we meant to do there was say. Um, if you guys think the man, the myth, the web scream could be outdone on any of this meme making, you're wrong. Uh, in, in, inspired by new, Luke's new choice of glasses. Luke, this is as good or better than anything he's done. This is great. That is, um, I got to tell you, that made my day. That made my Because I've been the butt of jokes, and that's okay. It's part of the show. But every once in a while, a pat on the back makes you feel good. And me being an insane man from the movie Falling Down with Michael Douglas... That makes me that makes me smile inside, BC. Everybody who's watching this on a big screen can read what Web Screen wrote, but it's always tied into our show. I can't see it at the moment there, but great stuff from Christos Christoforos. That is there, so our Greek good. buddy of uh, he lives in Italy though. He's a man of the world, you know. Luke, have you ever gone on your Waze app and put on the Greek language? Uh, you mean like f to tell you directions and shit? Yes. No, it's I web put screen. on. Uh, but here's what's kind of funny. Uh, you may not appreciate this because you're not cultured. You're from a factory town. If you put in different Hispanic nationalities, like if you put in Dominican versus Mexican, the driver just doesn't sound different or the, 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 uh, the, uh, the person giving you directions. They don't just sound different. They have a completely different way of giving directions. It's actually kind of funny. Well, if you need directions in Greek, call on my guy, Web Scream. He won't disappoint you. Hey, Luke, let's go to the boxing ring this weekend. Very low-profile card in Miami, but we may have a knockout of the year contender here. Uh, I guess we missed the beginning part. It is 22-year-old Nicaraguan Melvin Lopez improved to 23-1 and by sending Yison Vargas to the bottom floor of hell in this Bantamweight fight. Luke, TKO won, but what do you call it when he turns them into, like, the zombies from the Thriller video and they're just hanging there? Uh, I don't know, it, you know, because this is the worst highlight I've ever seen. You can barely see the punch that lands. Just a straight left there, I guess. Uh, it looks like they're doing Tai Chi until they fall over. I saw this comedian once. He was like, you ever seen the heroin addicts? Like in the streets the next morning, they look like they're doing Tai Chi because they can't quite move. Uh, it looks like that, only they're falling over this time. 
Yes, yes. All right, let's move on to the golf course here. Luke, you all remember the greatest golf fight in history when Bob Barker and Happy Gilmore threw hands that time, Luke, at the Waterbury Open. You remember this, right? It was the uh, Celebrity Pro-Am. This is my favorite Adam Sandler movie. This was, you know, really, this is one of the better scenes of all time. Uh, the, the, the price is wrong, bitch. And, uh, you know, I don't want to taste. I want the whole, th- whole thing. Well, Bob Barker was back on the golf course this weekend, Luke. And, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he was seeking revenge on that crocodile who ate Chubbs' hand. And he got sent to hell for his efforts. Bob, what the hell are you doing here? That's... Bob Barker's dead, right? This is just some old dude who's absolutely out of his fucking I, mind. I can't speak on whether Bob's still with us. Oh, he wanted to mount the gator. Oh, okay. I mean, I mean what, oh, are, what are rich white people thinking here? What is going oh, on here? Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yes. Look, this has all of your favorite elements. Animal on human violence. Rich white people getting sent to hell. Dude, what the fuck? He he avoided death or serious injury by virtue of this gator's kindness. He took pity on this old man. Well, you know, this 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 was probably the gator that took Chubbs' hand and uh, you know, um, I mean, come on. Bob Barker is dead, by the way. Bob Barker oh, is dead. R.I.P. R.I.P. Bob Barker. Oh, this guy might be dead too. Look at or at least he's Dude, a new shoulder. The, holy shit balls. I told you, you got, this may be one of the best have you seen this shits ever, Luke. It only gets better from here. Are you ready? Whoa. Here, put this pillowcase on the gator's head. Yeah, that's a. I mean, come on. Don't mess. Don't. I mean, don't poke the bear, right? You know what I mean? You. you yeah, you maybe leave gators alone there, you fucking old bastard. You geriatric piece of shit. <laughs> you mess with the bull, you get horned, right? This motherfucker's I mean, after- life. BC, this motherfucker's life expectancy is Thursday, and he's looking for an exit on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> you mess with the bull, you get the horns. You mess with the Iwana, you get horned up. That's how it works, Luke. Okay, so leave her alone. Thank you. All right. All right, hey, let's move on. This is an oldie but goodie, but it resurfaced on my timeline. Top-ranked boxing earlier in the year, Robesy Ramirez. I don't think we ever showed this, but look at this all-time great snot rocket that comes out of this guy's nose. Luke, you down for this? I like how it goes one direction, then whips around. And oh it actually, God, like it touches, snake. if you look closely, it touches his eyeball. Bop. That's, that is so gross. I mean, that's really gross, Luke. Dude, you, Indiana Jones could use this to hurt people. Yeah, yeah, this is great stuff. All right, thank you. Uh, Luke, you and I had a lot of fun with the Room Service Diaries episodes one, two, and three. Better than the George Lucas prequels, if you ask me. Mm. But you got a little touchy-feely after a few drinks, and somebody captured this on, on camera for us, <laughs> Luke. What happened here? What is, I mean, what is... What do you, what do you, I mean, what, is this how you do it? This, this is how you operate, Luke? What is happening here? You know, uh, I had to just let my feelings show, BC. <sighs> you know, what, one thing you're lucky for, and I should have, I should have hit you back for this move right here, but uh, I did never sneak up on you in attempt to put in the rear naked choke, but our viewer Scott Marshall at Anya Berry on Twitter, I don't even know what the hell that says or means, but he created an illustration for my rear naked choke uh, in anticipation for our reunion this weekend. Uh, you know, for a skinny guy, Luke, I could have put you in hell. I could have, I could have, you know, I could have. N- nice, you know. nice rash guard there, uh, Brian Danaher. <laughs> Great stuff there from our people, as always. And uh, That's thank funny. you. Uh, I did say this is one of the best have you seen this is we've ever done. Let's continue rolling here. Check out the length this Ohio man went, Luke. To escape his court date. Watch this. 
Look at, I don't know what he's in there for, Luke, but he's gone, brother. Look Ooh. at that cop. Wow. Wow. Oh. Look at the look at the old cop. That's the guy who's gonna go get the. I gotta go get that yeah. gator. I gotta, That's the old bailiff. Gotta, that old bailiff ain't doing shit, Luke. That's that, that bailiff's great. like, I gotta go get that gator in the front yard. Again. Look at this cop go from zero to six. Look at that, Luke. That is badass. Uh, honestly, I gotta tell you, I'm not sure what I'm more impressed by: the uh, Oscar Pistorius level of uh, speed there on this dude, or yeah. or this bailiff just giving it, dude. He he gave it his all, man. You can't shit on this guy. Look at him. Wow. Oh. Bailiff, whack his peepee. That is great. Serious great question, stuff. BC. To- if if you can run out of the courthouse, shouldn't they just like make you not guilty of the crime? I think if you can get away, this this yeah this I, I'm actually shouting out this guy. This guy is Andy from Shawshank. If you ask me, okay. I don't know what he did. <laughs> Hopefully, it wasn't gross. You can look it up. All right. He's from Ohio. Uh, let's move on, Luke. This is the fail of the week, and this is an all-time great. We're at a soccer match here, and this chick tries to tries to <laughs> hurdle the fence and gets knocked down, but it doesn't end here, Luke. <laughs> that, that's, that's two fails for the price of one, Luke. That's so good. That is so Ce- good. Cease fire. Cease fire. Cease oh, fire. God, that is – you can't come back from that. That is – Buddy, I mean, buddy, look, that – Bow. KO. Fight fights over. KO. Oh, good boy. Dude, you haven't right. I mean, she looks like she's Antifa and the NYPD got the water hose to clear the protesters. That yes, is yes. unbelievable. Uh Luke, uh mothers are doing a lot of re- very extraordinary things this year this this you know, in this modern age, right? We went from suffrage to uh to women, you know, hosting TV shows, uh Doris Burke, color commentator in the NBA. Becky Hammond coaching in the NBA. Well, check out this mom, Luke. Jay, can we keep it going here? Jay, please, can you hit the button? Thank you. Uh, Mary F. Kill on this, Luke. Yeah, right? I don't know about Mary, but the other two are in play. (laughs) Was she an extra in Showgirls? This is great, Luke. Maybe, BC, the other two are in play, maybe at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. That is gross. That's very Rocco Sofredi of you. Yes, that is fantastic. All That's right. right. Nacho Vidal and Rocco Sofredi, the hosts of Morning Combat. <laughs> People are like, I can't believe BC doesn't know who Nacho Vidal is. Well, I, should I? Should I know? I don't know. Should I look that up? Nacho right. Vidal has a better highlight reel than Israel Adesanya. All right. Uh, you know who put together a good highlight reel that we don't talk enough about? How about this flyweight bout at UFC 253 on Saturday? Kai Kara France and Brandon Royval put on a video game yeah. session. This might be the best 20 seconds of MMA you'll see all year, Luke. What the hell's going on Ooh. here? This is great. This is this fight. If, I, if someone's like, what's the difference between MMA and boxing? I'd be like, yo, this. Right? This right here. This right here. This yeah. is the, the, yeah. the, the unpredictability, the craziness. You know, like a double, just, I don't know if it's a double knockdown or a double slip, but it was great. Oh, and then that back fist is just unbelievable. This is like and, jamming the buttons. It's like, remember that first pro wrestling game, like WWF Wrestling Challenge in the arcade? There's one action button, and you just pound it as hard as you can, Luke. Yeah. No, nah, you, you didn't have fun. You didn't go to Roller Magic like I did. You don't have fun. All right, Luke. Um, I have fun. We got, a lot, we got a lot of web scream imitations here. Viewer Scott Rizzo uh, created this MK-inspired moving poster, Morning centipede, you like it? It's a little amateurish, but I like the coffee mug in the second uh, hand there in the middle. I like that. 
All right, here's where this show gets all-time great, Luke. This is the greatest and most insane street brawl ever captured on video. Darren Till tweeted it out. I don't know what country, but look at the chairs just KOing people here, Luke. What is happening? Well, it's definitely Europe. It has Poland written all over it. Good Lord, these guys are getting nailed. And they're coming from, like, the second floor, too. This might be better than that one that happened in Richmond outside your uh, sister's apartment. Yeah. I'm not even sure what to say. This is violent as shit, Luke. Yeah, but also great. It's pretty great. I've watched this 5,000 times in the, in the last 24 hours. It's ridiculous. Yeah, hey, soccer. Know, it's got, this, is, this is what? This is soccer hooligans, right? This is some, that, like, third-tier, you know, uh, bumfuck FC versus fuck bum FC. And they're fighting to the death over it because that's what people at this level of life do. I think this was right after Blahowitz knocked out. Uh, yeah, what's his name? Yeah, okay, this is great. Wow, a lot of a lot of Reyes fans there apparently. All right, Luke. Um, look, I've said it before. We've called. You know, sometimes we get knockouts. We're like, that's the greatest knockout of all time. That's the greatest clip of all time. This next clip is the greatest clip in the history of Have You Seen This Shit, Luke? Get ready. It's even got a title called I Just Wanted to Poop. Here we go. Luke, we've all been here in high school. A brawl breaks out in the bathroom, and this is a pretty good one. Look at the punches they're trading here, Luke, okay? Do do we know why these two, uh, you know, uh, MIT scholars are fighting? No, but Luke, it's just like a WWE brawl. It it rolls out into the arena almost. Look at the people watching. They're filming it. uh, That thing going to the... COVID COVID safe watching wearing their mask. (laughs) Did that go into the... What the fuck? <laughs> I mean, how do you even... BC, sitting or standing, how do you wipe? I mean... What do you do if you're that kid? What do you do? You, oh, look at the got, boy I, 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 nice I, First of all, you got to get, get the hand up. He's just leaning over. You got to get the hand up, man, because you might take an errant oh. punch at that point. God, half the school's watching this guy take a two. That's amazing, Luke. Really, that's amazing. That's unbelievable. That's the best fight ever. Thank you. That is uh, we, that is amazing. We do have one bonus clip uh, sent in, Luke. People listened to our third episode of Room Service Diaries, and we we pitched out a great idea for a uh, Armenian rock band, Luke. And now we have a uh, the first album cover already printed out. Can we see this? Can we advance it, Jay, to the final one, please? Can you hit the button? It's called uh, Edmund and the Head Movements, Luke. And <laughs> you can- so wait, is that Shabazian getting KO'd and then Rousey getting KO'd with uh, Edmund Shibazian in the Shabazian on the left, Rousey on the right. Shout out to uh, at 420 Be Respectful for putting this together. Is that Huey Lewis in the news? I don't know, but that's genius, Luke. I know Dude, you and that, all your... We uh, have, our, the people who watch this show, I mean, they are degenerates like us, but they are, they are crafty. I, I, am all, I am continuously amazed. Yeah, yeah, we we got a guy for that, right? You ever like like I got my barber? Actually, my barber is uh, is he Armenian? No, he's Albanian. And uh, I swear, anything I need, he's like, oh, I got a guy for that. I got a, you know, you need, I got a plumber. I, I got a guy for that. You know, like this is what we're building on this show. Look, we need graphic support. We got a guy for that. Okay, we need a new producer. We probably got a guy for that, right? I guess we do. Uh, is your the guy who cuts your hair, Florio from Ninety Day Fiance? No, no. 
Right. Actually, I've been cutting my hair this whole quarantine, so I don't really need a barber right now. But shout out to All right, well, uh, with that, with that in mind, BC, it's time for odds and ends. What do we have on odds and ends for you, good sir? Real quickly, uh, there was some under-the-radar boxing this past weekend. I'm not saying go back and watch this, but ESPN Plus and Top Rank put out a uh, junior middleweight unifi- or unified championship out. Josh Taylor moved the chains. First-round body knockout on some Thailand guy. Uh, what's the, the guy's name is Kong Song or something like that. No disrespect mm-hmm. to that man. But this was a you know mandatory move along. But the key element to this, it was a weird sort of shot to the body, maybe not too different from that jab that uh, Banana got KO'd on. But the whole point is this. There is now nothing in our way, Luke. The 140-pound division will have its summit. Josh Taylor, the Tartan Tornado, is going to bring his two belts Jose Ramirez, the unbeaten from top rank, has the other two belts. We're going to finally see this bout. Bob Aaron wants it later, probably more like early next year. Luke, these guys don't get a lot of pub, but if you remember how good that Rougarou fight was against Josh Taylor, this guy has impressed us every single step of the way. This one right here is going to be a war. I can't wait for it. I'm glad that uh, Josh Taylor didn't have to expound too much energy or get hurt here, and we moved the chains. The other was, you know, I don't know if DAZN's going to be around next week, but they did give us what we wanted. The World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Tournament Final. Luke, this tournament in its second season, there's been all kinds of craziness. It's not in the forefront of our of our care level in America, but it should be if you're a hardcore boxing fan. We saw the Cruiserweight Final, Myris Brightus outpointing Unier Dordikos. If you remember the first season when Alexander Usyk basically became a star by bringing all four belts together, he gave Brightus his only loss in an absolute absolute 12 round classic this one on saturday had a lot of us being excited that it could be just the same pretty damn good fight overall very good and it was briitis coming away with the ibf title he's really the, the key of the division right now the class of it cruiserweight luke nobody talks about it in the states because we don't really have a lot of you know sexy americans in this but you get so much bang for your buck if you're a hardcore boxing fan you know what's going on at cruiserweight thank you to these two for pouring it all on the line for us Great call. Uh, for my odds and ends, sadly, they're not quite as celebratory. Diego Sanchez took an L on Saturday against Jake Matthews, and it wasn't terrible for two rounds, but then it got pretty bad for him in the third, cut open, and he was trying to shake things up. He brought Stefan Bonner in, although he still had, as you mentioned, Joshua Fabia, who got, in your words, BC, sent to hell by Matt Serra, which was a great video to watch. And I don't even... BC, I'm sure you ended up watching this fight. Here's the thing. Jake Matthews, 26. It wasn't like I was super blown away, although he had a good... I'm not here to disparage it. He had a good performance. But with Sanchez, he didn't look to be in great physical condition. You know, and again, for two rounds, he wasn't totally out of it, but he just... What would you say about it, BC? He looked lifeless to me. There wasn't just... Yeah, it was sad. So look, I'm not going to body shame any... It's not about body shaming. It's like, dude, are you in shape for the challenge here because if you're not you're going to get hurt real bad the key yeah. to Diego well, look, Sanchez I- hold on the last thing on this even when he was technically overmatched which was not infrequent he had a certain intensity and drive and like in your faceness and that's gone too and like that's when that starts to go that's when I get concerned I don't know if we blame the school of self-awareness and your boy Fabia for this or not but uh look he didn't look you know to be in shape at the level that you 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 need to be excuse me, to be a world-class fighter. And I know that it's hard to say walk away now because he had, he did, he had won three of his last five coming in. And again, that Mickey Gall win was a very good one. Although he really didn't deserve a win in the Michelle Pereira, uh, Pereira one with the weird DQ. But, uh, Luke, when you do come in looking that 
chubby and you're like sort of a sad version of yourself, I'm sorry. Like, you know, that, that tells you something. And even you, you said something right. He was competitive the first two rounds. But look, competitive meant running like a maniac throwing like schoolyard punches. I mean, it was just it was just weird, Luke, okay? And then he took a savage beating in the third, and it got gross with the blood. We never save these guys from themselves ahead of time. We always wait until it's too late. I'm not saying I know his financial situation, but I don't want to see it anymore, Luke. It's done. Don't, you know, yeah. go, why don't you go box Connor in the Middle East? I'll pay for that, right? I'll, I'll watch that. I, I you right. know, and I, I worry he's going to end up on some place like BKFC, which I don't want to see. You know, um, yeah. Frank, it's bad. why is Frank it's Mir bad. doing BKFC? Shouldn't he be better than that? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe they maybe they offered him a ton of cash. Who knows, right? I mean, I know Hector uh, Lombard's doing well in there, and I know it's 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 sort of the last stop, Luke. See, right? Tiago Alves fought in there, and he actually didn't look half bad. He actually looked okay. You know, I wasn't super concerned about how he looked, but. Some of these but it's other sort of like, it's look, tell me if I'm wrong. It, it's the equivalent of like the aging adult film star who like the big guns don't want you anymore. So on the way out, you have to do really gross things to stay in the game. Right. I love how you compare fight sports to pornography. And I do, too. But uh, you could make that claim about like any actor in any normal industry. It's like, oh, you didn't want to do commercials before, and now you are. Like, you're Frank Thomas There's a difference. selling eugenics. If you're an actor, you, know? you can go to Broadway. You can go to local theater, and you can still put on a classy performance, Luke. These guys are going somewhere where their face is going to be carved up for life. All right, Luke? Maybe so. Um, all right, BC. So let's remind the folks a couple of things here. One, always a thumbs up. Always a subscribe. Always appreciate it when you do. Number two, we're back Wednesday, bitches. We're right back here on Wednesday. Now, BC, I got a question for you. We, we know that Monday we're going to do a lot of reacting to the stuff on the weekend, and we've kind of built a good show format. Friday, we're still working things out, but we know we're going to be doing a lot of previewing of the upcoming weekend's fights. Wednesday, I think you and I would both agree, we have an idea of what we want to do, but hey, we're open to suggestion. Should we get suggestions from the listeners and the viewers about what they want to see on Wednesdays? Absolutely. Whether you want to see sort of a a long form version of, of sort of a, you know, DMs from donks Q and a, whether you look, I, you know, look, you've got a great radio background. I'd like to take some, you know, larger term topics and really stretch them out and go deep on them. You know, I, I there's a lot we can do in there. Um, we're obviously going to eventually mix in some fighter interviews and stuff. I mean, we got a lot of great right. things coming, but I am open to see what Wednesday's going to bring us. Cause Monday we're going to look back Friday. We're going to look forward. Although this week we do have Bellator this Thursday, on the CBS right. Sports Network, so we got some things to talk about. But, uh, yeah, I I'm always open for the people to intervene here, Luke, okay? All right, so, we, by the way, we need to, for the folks listening on this who work on the show, we need a show email. But in the meantime, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. All one word, LukeThomasNews at gmail.com. What do you guys want to see on Wednesday? And, and then to an extent as well on Friday shows, what is something we don't cover that you would want to see? You know, uh, just an idea about something you might be looking for now that we're expanding some of the formats. And of course, here's our social as well. Morning Combat on Twitter. We have a Twitter. Morning Combat on Insta. Morning Combat right here on YouTube. And then you can see our various uh, Twitters and Instagrams for Brian and I. Luke, can I interrupt right. for one second? Can I interrupt? Please. My wife bought me bought us a yum box, which means every month you get a box of snacks from a different country. Last month was Colombia here, Luke. Have you ever eaten any of these Papa Oriata mayonnaise chips? I have. Yes. You have. 
You have. Yes. For, made by La Victoria. It, Papa Oreata. They're not bad. Yeah. They taste kind of like mayonnaise. Is this a um, is Abuela eating these too? Because I could I could probably no. end with Abuela. No, you're eating the equivalent of um, I don't know. You went to you went to you went to Columbia Seven Eleven eating those. Is what I'm trying to point out. All right. All right. Very on brand. Okay. Uh, BC, you need to figure out what chimichurri is. I still can't get over. It. You don't know what that is, but we'll figure that out later. Also, uh, before we go, you BC, need to someone out wrote what me. What classic rock is, bro? All right. Yeah, well, I figured it out. It's things that suck ass. But let me make this one last thing. Uh, a listener wrote me, and they said that they want you and I to rewatch this week. Uh, for me, rewatch. For you, watch the Heath Ledger Joker movie, the Batman one, and then react to it on Friday's show. Would you be interested in like a segment where we have dedicated viewing responsibilities, and then we, uh, <clears throat> you know, I would not to be it. against. Whether we well don't pick books because you know, I don't read that shit. If you picked either, if we picked either a song, an album, a live performance in music, or like you're saying, a movie that we had the time to digest and then specifically broke it down and had our audience ready there as well, I'm down yeah. with that. Okay, I'm down. All right, let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. All right, uh, if you'd like to try Showtime, why wouldn't you go to Showtime.com right now? Thirty day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can pound sand. Don't forget the store store.show that's sho.com for all your morning combat gear hoodies shirts long sleeve short sleeve whatever you need we got it there and uh, we're back on wednesday bitches we are back so for brian campbell i'm luke thomas thanks for everyone to at uh, showtime and malka until next yeah. time may all of your gains be loyal